Check it out, Beavis. A window. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> He's taking her clothes off. Whoa, cool. <laughs> Take it off. <laughs> Take it all off. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. Do her underwear next. <laughs> oh no! Now he's getting naked. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> this is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah! Go for it! Yeah, yeah! Yeah, yeah! Do it! Do it! <laughs> Go for it, dude! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Do it! Do it! Do it! Do it! <laughs> I wish he'd hurry up and do it instead of just putting his arm around her. <laughs> yeah, really! Come on! Grab her thingies! Come on! <laughs> yeah, grab his schlong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come on! Coming to you from beautiful upstate New York, this is the Slam Tilt Podcast, a show about all things pinball. I'm your host, Ron Hallett, here with my... Uh, well, actually, he's not here yet. He said he... Might be coming by later, but um, he is going to be late or possibly missing entirely. So in order to make up for this, I've secured two guests. And when we were asking for, um, we were asking for some tech emails, and we did receive some, and we said we were going to have a tech-based episode. So here it is, episode 108, Spider-Man Homecoming, and I have with me Zach. Hi, Zach. Hi. And Scott C. Hello, Scott. Hey, Ron. Hey, Zach. And have either of you seen Spider-Man Homecoming? I have. I have. Pretty good. So you thought it was pretty good? Uh, Zach, you haven't even seen Star Wars, and you own a Star Wars machine. I have seen Star Wars. It was just a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I see what you did there. What version, what special edition of Star Wars did you see? I don't even know... Where I saw Star Wars, I just know that I've seen it at some point. So, like, I could have been in a theater, like, as a rerun or something, or it could have been, like, off a DVD at home, or who knows. Well, the theater reruns were in 97, so you were, like, you probably wouldn't remember that. You don't think they ever would have done them again? Um, that was the main re-release. I don't recall them doing that again. I know I saw they, episode they do them three in theaters. All right. So I got a, I have a poster for it. My condolences. Hey, it's what is this episode? One. What is this episode three you're speaking of? I don't know what that is. Episode three is um that's what it's this uh high budget fanfic that they made about a decade or two later. That uh <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> it was on Facebook. Someone was asking, like, rate the put the movies in order, like you know, worst or best yeah. to, to worst. So I put like I was kind of a dick. I put like, I put Empire number one, of course, and I put Star yeah. Wars, and then I put like distant third, Return of the Jedi, and then underneath that I put, and there are no other movies. Star Wars ended in 1983. Hey, come on, uh, man! You're forgetting Star Wagen Wars seven and eight. Hmm. But we're not here to talk about Star Wars, are we? I mean, I thought this was the Star Wars sure. podcast. Uh, so no, it's not. This is this is this is the Slam Till podcast, and we're going to talk about tech. All right. Aren't you so excited? I I am thrilled. Let's get right to a question. Let's do that first because we actually did get a tech question, not about a specific game, but here we go. This is for a tech episode. This is from Scott Larson. He asks. 
What are the top three skills every pinball owner should know? I own 13 games, but am a novice at tech issues. Who wants to help out Scott? Uh, Zach can go first. Voltmeters are good. Soldering's good. But most important is using alligator clips, I'd say. So you can do so much with an alligator clip. Like what? If a coil's not firing, you could ground the coil with the alligator clip, or you could ground the transistor tab with the alligator clip, or you could alligator clip the other side to another coil to check for a bad uh, high-voltage side. Or if a light's not lighting, you could alligator clip that to another one to, to try to fix it, and you can use them on boards for all kinds of fun activities if you know what each individual pin on each individual resistor does, which is usually a bad idea, but I still do it. I think more for for EMs, you'd probably use alligator clips a lot more. Oh, yeah, on EMs, you can uh, fix like nearly any problem or yeah. just diagnose any problem just using multiple alligator clips. Yeah. Um, I would say probably the, the best thing you can do as a new owner is uh, read various forums. Um, I know Ron will be shocked to find that I'm actually trolling on that pin side a little bit. No, not shocked at all. Oh, can you answer <laughs> well, my question I, was, I posted today? <laughs> Did I? No, no one has. I, I don't check it very I, often. I've stumped all of Pinside yet again. That's no not surprising. Me, yeah, that's true. Every time I read a tech uh, question on Pinside, Zach's usually jumping in there with something. Uh, but I will second the multimeter, learn how to use a multimeter. Look for information on various forms. So that would be my second tip. Uh, third tip. See, did he say what kind of games he has? I mean, does he have, like, Early solid states, later stuff, uh, EMs. Well, how would it differ? Well, in the way you're you're going to diagnose an EM a lot differently than you know a, a late WPC game or you know going into Stern games, the new ones. But uh, I don't really do EMs that often. But if it's uh, when Williams, you have to... all you need to know is how to replace sockets. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, learning how to solder. Uh, that's like kind of a lost art, but. Uh, People need to learn how to do it correctly, and um, I've seen a lot of people do it incorrectly. Like the, the worst is people that they hold a soldering iron, you know, nowhere near the connection, and they melt the solder all over the tip, and then they think it, they put it on the connection, and they think it's going to magically flow into the connection, and it's just not because all the flux is gone, and there's nothing it, that's going to It'll still draw do, it do that it. a lot. Come on. Hmm. It'll still do that. Yeah, that's not the right way to do it, though. Do you solder that way, Zach? I don't use it as a main strategy, but like if I'm re-tinning uh, connectors, I'll like yeah. solder the first one. If you one have to, I, yeah. If you have to like do it, yeah, you can do it. And but... then repeat, so I don't have to solder as much. Yeah, but uh, oh, the, I guess the biggest tip would be you know find uh, friends around you that have done it before and they can just show you. Yeah, you learn by doing. So his second question was pretty much along the same lines. Best way to bulk up on tech knowledge. Most of the stuff. I see is really detailed. I usually see topics like how do you set speed clock on my Ferrari when traveling 180 to 195 miles an hour. I need to know where the gas is and the dipstick is first. Yeah, I, I don't know the, the, the with the car thing. I mean, I guess it's just an example, but um, it's it's usually the simple things first. You're going to look for something simple and. I found that when people are asking advice, they're convinced it's something that they don't understand because they don't understand it. They usually come out and say, oh, it's a chip. It must be a chip. I don't understand why this isn't working. I mean, it might be a chip, but, you know, let's let's do the simple stuff first, like power, um, wires, wiring, connectors. 
And I've noticed that when they have a problem, you, you have to dig down into it and say, what did you recently do to the machine? And it's sort of like, well, I just put LEDs in the machine. And I said, well, did you check, did you short anything out when you were doing it? Anything like that? And they're firmly convinced that it's not that. And then finally, you know, 20 messages later, it's like, oh yeah, there was a short, you know, I didn't notice. But as far as the best way to bulk up on technology, I'd say like what Scott said earlier, forums, um, there's online stuff. There's, I mean, pin wikis out there. It's not for the faint of heart, but I would recommend just like buy the worst thing possible and just bang your head against it repeatedly till it finally works. My first board repair was on a laser ball that had had major, major acid damage and two, a hole burned under the CPU and like multiple other issues. And I spent a year just slowly teaching myself how to how the boards work, how to read schematics and how like a CPU and MPU works and until I finally got that running again. And I was like, oh, well, I can just fix pretty much any board now because none of them are that, are that bad. That's true. I would say from, from my end, I mean, I'm not at the upper levels, but what Scott said earlier, people make it too complicated. Like if, if you walk into a room and you turn the light on and it doesn't work, most people would be like, oh, the light bulb's out. But for some reason on a pinball machine, they just go other areas. You know, it's supposed to be wiring. It must be a connector. It must be like, did you just... Did you just try replacing the bulb? Just sim- simple things. And I've I've screwed up before doing that. Like, I think I told this story before. I had no fear where an entire string of lights was dim. So it's like, oh, it's got to be something wrong. With the, it was GI lights. It's got to be something wrong with the general illumination string, this string. And it, but then you're looking at it, it's like, well, wait a minute. This crosses multiple strings. So how is that possible? And, and you, you look at wiring, and you're looking at all this stuff for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes, and then it's like, well, wait a minute. You do, you know, I did the first thing I should have done, which take, you know, one of the lights that's not dim, put it in the socket of one of the ones that is dim, and the light's fine. And I looked at the bulb, uh-huh. and the bulb, and, and this game was from, like, Germany. The bulb was, like, it was a 12-volt bulb. It wasn't, like, a 44 uh-huh. or 47. It was some bizarre bulb. And they were all like that. It's, it's it simplest, like a 193. Simplest thing. Simplest thing. At the same time, the thing that you did which was wrong in that case is usually a great way to approach stuff. Of like, you know, if this is if this one thing is having an issue and like you know five causes of it, see what things are linked to that other cause, you know, find patterns between what is or isn't working to narrow down without actually having to even do any testing, you know, just by just looking at it. That's kind of what I, I mean, when I first saw it, I'm there like, oh, it's got to be the same GI string. So I'm looking up the GI strings. I'm looking at the wire colors to see if it's on the same GI string because I'm figuring that's the problem. So it turns out it was just uh, somebody <laughs> went along and yeah. replaced every bulb. Uh, yeah, and that string. Yeah. Well, and, and that line. And they, weren't, they weren't even on the same string. That was the funny part. But like, um, like Zach will give these little teasers, these, these little like like – why don't you give him the um, the Spanish eyes one? Because I because I like that one. Because he basically <laughs> gives he gives you the clue that tells you what it is, but you spend so long looking at the schematic, convinced it's something else, you just completely don't see the issue. I mean, now that you say I've given him the clue, he'll know to look for the clue. I don't know. I I think I could I could say it in a way you still wouldn't look for the clue. Here it is. We have a Wait, Spanish. Your, your Spanish eyes is broken now. Wait, well, no, my anymore. Spanish eyes. My second Spanish eyes is broken. <laughs> oh. So it was never working when I got it. And yeah. right, correct me if I say this wrong, but I believe it was you, know, you start a game and the reels all reset to zero. They all work correctly. 
you hit things on the play field and the reels do not advance. It does not advance your score. So that's the issue. And okay. the score relay, the switches on the score, the score relay is, is working and it is closing the switches as it's supposed to. And it's still not scoring. And I made sure the switches were adjusted correctly, but every single reel, it's not working. And then he sends a picture of the schematic, and when you look at the schematic, it's like, it's not, it's a straight shot. It's like, relay closes, reels move. There's, not, there's nothing else in between. So we're staring at this, I'm staring at this for like a long period. What do you think the issue is? I don't know, a connector? No, no connector between them. And also, uh, I, you, I you have to advance. I, you have I, to advance went, the ball one. Uh, it was on ball one. I even like I went and I checked continuity between the lug of the score relay switch and the coil on the score drum unit, and the continuity was good. And then I used my handy alligator clip just to make sure, like the continuity may be good, but maybe there's actually like a really weak wire that couldn't carry enough signal or something. So I alligator mm-hmm. clip between them, and that still didn't fix anything either. But so the connection is definitely fine though, because I bypassed it completely. So, so is this a stumper that you haven't actually solved yet, and we're just supposed to figure it out, or you're actually no, looking for I, ideas? No, I, he, I didn't. Give, I'd give him that stumper till I figured it out. Yeah, and he had he had his clue, which I'll give now, which was what was it the the center saucer was when not I first working. Got the game, yeah, the center saucer did not work. It would not eject the ball, but it would register the score. Then just sit there. Spinning. So it would it would score when you went in the center saucer, saucer, but it wouldn't do anything else. Yep. And, and uh, that actually advanced the reels. No, that would not advance advance the reels. Oh, okay. But like, we just click the you relay. Could, you could see that all the relays were going, and the score motor would turn, and it would keep turning because the ball stayed in the hole because it wasn't yeah. kicking out. And I was looking at that, and then I went. I looked at some stuff, and tried it, and a while later, it just started working. Does it have a, a broken uh, wire on the coil lug? Nope. Connection's all good. Is it something stupid? You, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what, after obsessing over this for like, I don't know, 20 minutes, Zach's there, like, you just needed to look at one of the first things I said. So I scroll back up, and I'm looking at it. You know, what kind of thing happens what, when something isn't working and then kind of starts working? What is that usually indicative of? Something you screwed up. Or something being dirty. Yeah. As in the switch. Oh, just the switch itself was dirty? Yep. Yeah, so the, the kick-out hole started working eventually because the EM self-cleaning action, yeah. you know, yeah. of the, it the burned, switch burned it off and then it itself burned. back and started working fine. And so since all the reels didn't work, I naturally thought, you know, like Ron did with the bulbs, that, oh, there must be some common chain, but oh, it's yeah, actually yeah. just all four score relays, this, the contact was so dirty, it would not work. So if I so if I had any tip, it's like go for the the simplest thing first, even if it seems too simple. I mean, most people would look at the switch to see if like, oh, it's is adjusted properly. Okay, it's no, it's adjusted properly. It's closing. Even though the switches like they all look black when you look at them, unless you've pre-cleaned them all, like uh, Nick Shell suggests, but that's uh, a lot of work. But like usually, a completely black colored switch will still work just fine. You know, so the fact that they look dirty doesn't really uh, st- stand out to me as something that's obviously wrong. 
And the Nick Shell's tip is what? He suggests on all his EMs to bulletproof them, he disassembles every single relay, uh, then does swab, swish, swab, or something like that, which is alcohol and a Q-tip, I think, clean the contacts, and then use a Dremel with a carbon steel brush on the contacts to clean them up nice and shiny, and then another swab of alcohol on them to get rid of any other particles that might have been stuck. And he does this to every single contact and every single EM he has, and then they all work 100% because they're, you know, they're back to pretty much factory, brand new, super clean contacts. Yeah, that, that makes sense to do that. Um, if you don't have the experience of work, in doing though. that, though, you don't, you don't want to do that. Yeah, especially because... on Williams, it's not that bad because the relays are nice and big. It's like yeah. you can get in there without disassembling them, but like on a Gottlieb, you have to completely take the switch stack apart, not lose any parts, put it back together correctly, and then possibly need to readjust every single contact because like they could go out of adjustment from the cleaning. So it's yeah. not for people who don't already know how to do EM yeah. stuff. I mean that 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 takes me back to you know when I was newer in the probably when Zach was born <laughs> in the early 2000s, and um, I found PinRepair.com with Clay Harrell's guides. And he says right on it, he says, listen, you know, I'm going to show you how to clean and adjust every switch. But he says, you don't want to do that because you'll take a game that probably was somewhat working or working and you'll make it not working. And I said, oh, I got this snippet here. I'll go through and I'm going to clean every switch. I don't care what he said in there. And I took a game that was mostly working and I made it non-working. So, and I ended up selling it before figuring out how to fix it. But uh, I, I don't recommend anybody... Until you have experience doing that, and, and I definitely agree with the Gottlieb relays and the Bally relays, you, you don't want to be taking them apart. Like the Williams ones are a breath of fresh air because of those really long blades with a lot of travel on them. So there's actually a lot more fudge factor with them when you're adjusting them for the uh, self-cleaning action that Zach was mentioning. But uh, a couple other places do that, uh, take the relay apart. I know Pin Rescue in uh, Lambertville does that. He takes every relay apart and he cleans them all up. Uh, it will play like new, but the other thing with the EMs is make sure you play them a lot. Um, if you let them sit a long time, it uh, stuff will just, I guess, gum up. Maybe if there's old lube and stuff like that in there. Well, hopefully you clean uh, all I, that out too while you're in there. But well, yeah, that that I do. I'm working on a hotline right now, and I'm uh, cleaning out just solidified grease from just like years and years and years of just being in there. I mean, it's it's probably the original factory grease from 1966, and it's just turned to a solid mass. Now, the interesting thing is, I, Zach, let's face it, you're, you're a fairly young guy, and you're really into EMs. I'm really into pinball, Well, Ron. pinball, too. But, I mean, you have a ton of EMs. That's because they're cheap. Yeah. Is that the main reason? Yep. I, mean, I mean, I would have a lot of everything if I could afford it, but EMs cost like a quarter of the next best thing. But how many people in your area repair EMs? One, pretty much. For next, like, Maybe like an hour, hour and a half drive, you can find the next one if you know what direction to go. <laughs> and is the one person in your area you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So zero. There's really zero other people that you could go to, so you have to fix it yourself. Well, why would I go to someone else to fix my games? What's the fun in well, that? Well, exactly. Yeah. Well, some people just don't have the talent to fix their own games or they don't want to be bothered. Yeah. Um, but EMs, EMs are definitely cheaper. There was just a Spanishized near me on Craigslist or Facebook groups. I don't remember which. Uh, it was two hundred seventy-five dollars. Oh I, man, I, I would have bought it. that. 
Um, well, somebody uh, wanted to buy it. They they wanted me to buy it, completely restore it and fix it up for them, and then sell it to them for three hundred twenty five dollars. And I said, uh, no, I wouldn't even pick it up and deliver it for fifty buck profit. Oh man, I would have given. I would have paid fifty bucks for, for pickup and delivery, but probably not seventy five. Well, my problem is I don't have any room to store these things, Zach. What, what do you think I have? Like tons of room or something? Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. He, he does not have tons of room. I can vouch for that. No, he, we, he, we need a third Spanish eyes for the bar. Well, you know the person that does have tons of room is Ron. He has uh, a ton of room in uh, at true. level zero. That's that what I've been told. That's EM. what I've been told. Yeah, he should get some EMs. Well, I do. The Spanish eyes is sitting down there. Plural. Uh, you need more EMs. Any more? Okay. Well, let's let's go on an EM tangent. You were mentioning before. The Williams, you know, he preferred the Williams switch stacks. And I noticed when we had Nick Schell on here, he kind of went on about how you know, everyone loves the Gottlieb's, but there's such a pain to repair as opposed to, say, a Williams game. And uh, I, I believe, Zach, you believe that is also true? Yep. So I should be getting like a Williams or a Sonic? Or maybe a Bally. Bally's are next in line after those two. I think uh, single-player uh, Gottlieb wedgeheads are really easy to fix because you don't have the whole multiplayer thing to worry about. Single-player Gottliebs are nice because they're probably like the simplest, most minimalist uh, designs of any of the games, but they still have the crappy Gottlieb mechs that are just a pain to work with. It's like they're really easy to reason about. Well, they would be easy to reason about if they had like actual names to the relays and just random stupid letters. But, <laughs> you know, if you have a problem with like and the score wheels always get stuck and stuff like that, so like it's going to be more of a pain to do the mechanical aspect of it. Um, on the plus side, all the mechanics won't uh, be cracked and falling apart. You can just rebuild them really easily. I guess it depends on how much of a, a basket case you end up with. I'm sure Ron remembers the uh, target pool that you picked up for me at Papa. The one that was painted brown? Yeah, the the playfield. That's orange. I think it's painted orange. Oh, yeah, you're <laughs> right. Yeah. The the cabinet actually has the original paint on it. It's just peeling off. I'm sure I left many flakes in your car when you went and picked that up. But, um, I mean, it was $75. I mean, the back glasses were $75 on it. I'd, um, I'd pay 75 for that. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, I mean, sure, it took six or seven years for me to have it picked up. And, it you know, it took Papa threatening to sell the building that I was like, oh, boy, I better get that machine out of there. Um, but it, it's uh, it's pretty much in my back stock area. I haven't exactly worked on it or anything yet I'll give, but i'll give you 80 bucks for it uh, you're a pal <laughs> um i might hey, take you up on you that later you never know <laughs> well zach has the uh, you have the other version i have the mini pool i just picked up the edible version yeah so i need to complete you know the set that would be kind of neat also, they um, I know a lot of people a like edibles but i'm not really into the edibles i don't want my game to be longer I, lo- I like EMs because the game's short. I, I appreciate that aspect, but I really don't like replay where it's just the whole point of the game is moot. Yeah, if there there are games that uh, what is that one that they use in the tournaments all the time now? The uh, is that Papa Card or uh, uh, the one with the four target banks that you get them down, and then there's nothing to shoot for but the hole for special, or you shoot for the out lane to get your uh, bonus. I mean that, that the whole also top card, bonus, right? right? Is it top card? That sounds right. Yeah, it's, well, they're they're using it all the time now, and it's like oh, it, that's it's, like the flavor of the month. It's a fun game to watch, but I feel it's a horrible tournament game because, like, you know, if you don't just manage to get one bank down, like you're just screwed completely. 
Yeah, there's a lot of games that are like that. Um, scores are just so variable in that game. So what what games do you think? What games do they use in tournaments a lot that you think they shouldn't? Well, I got to say, from watching the Cleveland stream a couple weeks ago, um, they should never use Adams Family anymore because unless you like watching people, you know, pass over, shoot the ramp, shoot the scoop, shoot the ramp, shoot the scoop. Oh, over I, I heard over about again. that. I need to watch that. Sounds fun. I love watching really uh, long tournament games like that. Fun well, you can probably watch like it at like five times the uh, speed, and you can just see it over and over again just doing that. Um, so it sounds like they have a game where it's where you can pass over, which breaks any atoms, basically. Yeah, pretty like, much. I wish there was a way. I probably should uh, fool around with this, but uh, games that you could remove like post passing from um, to do that, but you're going to be changing the sling geometry when you do that, so you probably don't really want to fool around too much with that. People I mean, probably aren't a fan of drilling extra holes in play fields. It, it seems like if you can, you know, just do minute adjustments to an atom so that when it comes down to the right in lane from the ramp, there's no way to get it safely to a trap. Like you either have to take a pot shot at the scoop on the fly, which can be dangerous because if you miss you hit the pop umbers, or you have to fling it off to the uh, little side upper ramp thing that feeds the upper flipper. You know, and then they're going for a side shot, which is dangerous and. Yeah, I don't think that they. I mean, I guess the, you 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 take what you can. I know when I used to provide games to the Allentown show about a decade ago, uh, I would specifically think about what I was bringing over. Um, I mean, honestly, I would bring over games that I know people hadn't seen, like uh, maybe Mystic or definitely Dragonfest. Uh, nobody had seen Dragonfest at that point. They were like, "What the heck do you do on this game?" And plus, it's so ridiculously fast. That's a good tournament game, I think. So that's it has the same a bit of just like if you don't manage to complete that right three bang that you're just that that'll be a whole your whole game is just trying to make the opening shot. Yeah, dep- well you're you're kind of be in jail and I, and I noticed that uh, that uh, at Stomp Two that uh, Ron's uh, center X was locked on and I, I could definitely tell the people that were in my group um, didn't realize that the the actual lit bank was the right bank and they were shooting the center bank over and over again, and their multiplier wasn't going up. All right, tech guys, why does that keep happening? And it'll go away. Then it works fine, and then it'll come back. Then it'll go away. I mean, if it's a locked-on transistor, shouldn't it always be on? Could be. Well, the, the, cynic, the cynic in me would say that it's, it's probably uh, it's because you're using the modified software, and it doesn't do it on my game, but it does it on your game. So mm, that would be uh, Ron, Ron's... Uh, Hmm? Have you have you tried just swapping the light board? You know, it's not like you have any other classic Stearns or anything. No, I, I haven't done that yet. But I, I'm just saying, I would typically think if, if the transistor was locked on, why would it randomly just start working correctly again? I, I would picture it's not the transistor, but it could be something else on the driver board. Or it could be some intermittent short, but that seems harder to do. It could be, it could be something really simple, too. It could be the bulb. <laughs> Remember we were just talking before? Well, no, the bulb I couldn't mean, lock on. It could only turn off when it should be on. Yeah, I think I've swapped the bulb anyway. And, and the thing is, like, it, when you turn the game on, like, as it's booting, if it has an issue, as it's booting, it'll be on. Yeah. Some of the some of the lamps are on naturally just when you turn it on. But the, the lamp board, you don't have to, like, swap it, swap it. Just take a spare one, which you probably have, and you can just put the connectors on it and have it hang free in the back box. To, you know, you'll know right away if it's yeah. something like that. I love hanging boards. They're the best. Yes, yeah. Zach doesn't believe in mounting them. Or if he does, just with one screw, you know, just so enough does it doesn't fall. 
I put at least one or two on each board usually, and c- except when I'm in a rush and I forget it because it's like seven in the morning and I need to get to the <laughs> Saratoga show on time. Yeah. The other thing about the Dragon Fist, I, I'm thinking more and more like you know how the slings were like randomly not firing at times, as you as, as you brought to my attention. Properly? I don't think that's the reason, because the upper pop bumper, the one on the right, will randomly just not pop. Not register, and so then you've it, got and a, then it will. a bad switch column. Yeah, I think I have something with the switches, honestly, because Should it's it's connectors? always well. They're they're probably all filed. I mean, most operators were still filing switches at the time, and I I replaced them all. Like the sling switches, they're usually all mangled anyway. I just build new switch blades and I just stick them in there. It's the easiest <sighs> thing to do, and then you don't have to worry about it. I never thought of just b- building new blades up. I was trying to buy the complete things, and I can never find them at a good price. But the blades themselves are cheap, so oh, that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. the blades and contacts, you can rebuild the switch for less than a buck. I've actually done that a lot because a lot of the switch stacks you'll get are not the same thickness, the same amount of, um, oh, what would be the right term? You know, the little wood, the spacers. There's like there'll be more yeah, spacers the, uh, or less the little spacers. Bake-like pieces. Yeah, the yeah. bake like pieces they have like more or less than the original one had. And yeah. you know, I want to have it the way the original one was because I figured that's how it's supposed to be. And a lot of times you'll get more or less. So I've taken so many of them apart. I have all kind I have those ton of those bake like ones in the blades. As long as it's not riveted, then that's a pain. Well, you just drill the rivets out and you can put screws in. Yeah, but that that would be a pain. That would it's be a pain. Yeah, well, it's, it's something you can do while you're doing something else. Or like the flash that I got a couple of years ago, I had to replace every single switch on it because they were not only were they filed, but they were those Williams switches that were put together backwards from the factory. Yeah. So that the uh, the uh, I guess the back of the rivet was hitting the face of the other rivet. So even if somebody hadn't filed them, it's naturally just going to break through the plating because it's rough versus the smooth contact. I, I had to uh, swap all the switches on the flash that I regrettably had to keep in my house for a while to get the, them working reliably, but couldn't do it fast enough to get rid of that piece of crap. What? Flash is a great game. So boring. Wh- which one are we talking about? What, Flash? Flash or Flash Gordon? Because a lot of people use them interchangeably. Well, they should use uh, no, words Flash, for things. Williams Flash. Okay. You know, the bad Flash, not the good one. Mm, wow. You are besmirching the name of Steve Ritchie. Steve Ritchie has like a fifty percent success rate. That's that's true. Flash is great. Star Wars is terrible. Now, like when he makes a good game like Star Wars, it's really good. But then he makes games like Star Trek: Next Generation, Black Knight Two Thousand, Flash. They're just complete pieces of crap. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's true. I I, I was actually rather surprised because. Uh, uh, I was already eliminated at Stomp, and, and I looked over because I saw that Ron's uh, Star Trek Next Gen machine was the, – the legs were leaving the floor. And I was like, what's going on over there? Zach managed to rage tilt three balls in a row. I don't think I actually tilted all of them, to be fair. You, you did. You think so? Yeah. And, I, I mean, people that have, have never you know, tried to move a Star Trek Next Generation machine, it's one of the heaviest machines ever made. It's really light when you just have the pure hatred of having to play that absolutely awful game fresh in your memory wait a minute scott don't didn't you own one i still have mine okay there you go <sighs> isn't that I like great it. Well, you'll be happy to know though i i did set the kickback to easy just in your honor my honor 
No, in Zach's honor. Uh, did, Although did it's, a little, it's a little too late too. for him, unfortunately. Can we turn it on 100% on both out lanes? Or they can make it alternate between the two out lanes. Then it might be okay. Okay, so make a code change. So um, we'll make a code and, change. And a physical you know, installation of a second kickback. I really want a right out lane kickback on a game. Where are my right out lane kickbacks? Well, you guys are overthinking. You don't need a ROM change for that. Just put a nail on the playfield like most people do. Blocking uh, the out lane. Hmm. Even just like an out lane extender, like a quarter inch taller on each side would make that game so they, much better. They made those. Did you know they I know, made those? I know, they did. But uh, for yeah. some reason... Ron has not installed that recommended mod on his game. <sighs> you don't. You don't need it if you don't shoot shots that tend to vector towards that outline. Yeah. Yeah. Well, too bad I can't hit a single shot in the game because they're all in horrible locations. So, like the worst place shots on any of the super pins. Like, do you not know how to make a wide body? You're, like the only person who'd ever done it before, and you still got it wrong. Worse than Popeye. Popeye does not have really far-out orbit shots that are, that are like not where shots should be. Most of the Popeye shots are actually up the center, you know, where you'd expect shots to be. I always love the not where shots could be. Like, who decides where the shots should be? Well, have you ever played a Star Trek Next Generation? <laughs> y- yes, I, I, I played one uh, just the other day. Well, I, I mean, I'm thinking of things like, okay, if I play, like, uh, Future Spa... And it has those spinners like on the the outer 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 orbits. Yeah, or, so or laser ball like away as the, the super uh, duper super duper wide bodies that have the outside shots. Laser ball just you mean don't work. The other future spa. The other future spa. Like it's almost exactly the same layout, but they put more drop targets in. <laughs> yeah, but like I can hit the orbits in my Star Trek Next Gen. I can never hit the orbits with any authority. On future spot, like you could hit them, but it just doesn't really hit them hard. Yeah, that was a little too wide. They should have. They shouldn't have gone to the thirty inch and thirty one inch wide. I mean, Paragon's probably the best game that's that wide. And if you look at the shots on that, they're that's not true. really on the outside. They feed from the, kind of the sweet spot in the center. You mean Paragon, the game of like two shots at all anywhere on its entire wide body playfield? Yeah, pretty much. It's amazing how much real estate they waste on those early Bally wide bodies. Future well, look spot. at the gorgeous artwork that's on it. There's space for that lovely artwork. Yeah, you can watch the, the, the artwork as your ball just bounces back and forth. Oh, wait, no, you can do it as, as you wait for the ball to like come to a trap on the left flipper before you just do a tap pass again to shoot the only two shots for both on the left side of the play field. You know, then you catch What's it. What's the second then... shot on the left side of the play field? Spinner. Spinner. Yeah. Eh. I mean, yeah, eh, but, like, if you've already shot the drops 20 times, like, you need some bonus somewhere. You know, you might as well shoot something. Okay, okay. Uh, let's let's go back to the, the tech subject here. Since you guys have worked on so many games, what do you, what do you say the things you, lose, you least look forward to? In other words, like, for me, every time I get a new stern, it's like almost every socket is bad. Lamp sockets are, like, the worst thing they suck uh, probably, I, I, lamp sockets do suck and I, I got really annoyed on my dragon fist and I re- I flipped the play field over and I replaced every socket because I was like I'm really tired of all these bonus lamps not working and I think I have it down to only one socket that doesn't work but um, I'm super duper lazy when it comes to the sockets and I'm surprised you didn't remark on it Ron with the, the stars that I brought up to you um, half the lamps were out, and it's like, eh, I don't feel like replacing the sockets. It's only the bonus ladder. Nobody needs to know that. I guess I hate lamp sockets because I never I never like uh, replacing them. 
uh, especially on games that oh, I'm going to do a play field swap on that in the future. And then, then I'll do all the lamp sockets. Um, like when I did my firepower, that's like, oh, I'll use this opportunity. I'll put all new lamp sockets in, but I hate doing lamp sockets. Um, at, at this point, I don't really like doing board work. I'm just like, eh, I don't really have time to do this. So I'm going to, uh, you know, stick known good working boards and things. Um, but really like involve problems with board work. I'm like, I just don't have the inclination to do it anymore. All right. And the thing about that stars you brought, and this will lead into my next subject, basically the projects you guys are working on. That was a unique stars in the fact of what it was running. Why don't you get into that? Well, um, as many know, I've taken apart the software code in many early Valley Stern Williams games. Uh, and then rewritten them or changed rules and things like that. And uh, just for laughs, I wanted to see if I could transplant the Williams System 7 interpreted code language that it uses, the multitasking, onto the Bally board. And, um, I mean, I had to have somebody custom make a a Bally board that had much more memory in it because you need a lot more RAM to do that. And... uh, you know, everybody was playing that. That stars was the prototype for that, and I don't. I don't think anybody really remarked on anything other than Zach pointed out that the attract mode was wrong. But I mean, it doesn't I, match the original. I still maintain that the the speed of the scoring and stuff is wrong on the bells and things. Um, it's probably faster, but that's I, I'm used to playing at that speed because my original stars board was always an MPU 200, and I was too lazy to change the jumpers to the slower clock speed so it was always faster so that's what i'm used to but that would be easy enough to change at least you don't get screwed out of points on the original stars you get screwed out of points if you uh, uh hit two drop targets down at the same time uh, and it doesn't give you the 500 points for when it's resetting it just gives you the 3000 so i think you should get the 500 points and then you also get the 3000 because you got the whole bank down so the things like that but that that stars software was was basically a proof of concept as as in i wonder if i can make this work and it did and um next game up for that is going to be flight 2000 completely rewritten with that engine um and then the game after that is going to be one of ron and bruce's favorites black hole how do you plan to handle the uh mpu 200 sound effects when rewriting flight 2000 through that uh well i'm transplanting the the code from the actual oh, you'll, you'll, you'll just take the whole block of of code to do that. Well, it needs to be modified heavily because it is since the soundboard on the MPU 200s is uh, essentially timers. You there is rather strict timing requirements on it, and I don't have it working 100% yet. There is there's some errors going, so I'm I'm going to have to play around with it a little more. I'm surprised you're, you're not curious how I'm going to put a ballet board inside of a Gottlieb black hole, but. Oh, no, no, that, that seems that's pretty right. straightforward to me, minus like maybe the amount of transistor requirements. And wiring uh, wiring uh, harness uh, changes. Yeah, making a whole set, or I mean, I would just do an adapter harness, but that would still be a pain, but... That's pretty much what I plan on doing with I, it. I, I hate to modify the original harness if I can help it. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that, but... But, uh, uh, I mean, they already have that... Uh, 8-Ball Deluxe that uses the Gottlieb-style Futaba low-voltage displays so i assume that conversion must not be too complicated um i think they have a helper board with that i I was actually in contact with somebody that that has one of those but 
Um, apparently, the, they won't give the software out, so I couldn't even like look at it. I, it might be available somewhere, but um, I was going to write new drivers for the software. Uh, I might put some helper electronics in it. Uh, my inclination would be to put some kind of new microcontroller type thing in it and just dump all the crap out to that that's unique to Gottlieb and just have that run the hardware. And then I mean, at, at that the, point, why not you know, just use the uh, LISY80 border? I think that exists now, right? And just Yeah, it does. Um, I don't know, to, to see if I could do it myself. Oh, that's a good enough reason. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, that's always the reason. Yeah. Okay, so what is Zach working on? Uh, well, most recently, I've been with Scott's assistance and reference for the... William System 7 code base, I've been trying to do some simple modifications to my Black Knight ROM to basically, originally it was just make the extra ball worth points because basically 90% of that play field is devoted to lighting extra ball, so it sort of ruins the game somewhat in tournaments when the whole goal is just get multi-ball and then flail for as, lo- as long as possible to get make most use of your 3x. So I, mod- I modified the System 7 Operating system ROM to award points instead of an extra ball, which is also cool because it'll work or should work with any System 7 game, not just Black Knight with the same ROM change. So I'll have to try that in my laser queue as well sometime. But, uh, and now I'm. Is that working now? The, uh, the score? Yeah. Yeah, that works. Uh, okay. once we went through the board saga. Oh, okay. Uh, so you, you, a lot of the problems that we had been emailing about were because your board was not uh, working with uh, the ROM adapter. Yeah, I, I used the Siegecraft System 3 through 6 mm-hmm. uh, combo ROM adapter in a System 7, which I thought would be easy because all it required was replacing the oscillator component, which is located next to the CPU of a smaller one so that the board could fit over it since the uh, System 7 layout is not the same as System 3 through 6. And that yeah. worked fine for the custom software I was writing for my Pharaoh, but it did not work in the Black Knight. So, And then uh, you said that you'd never gotten that board to work with your System 7s, so now I'm just very confused about why my Pharaoh MPU works fine with the board, but my Black Knight MPU doesn't. But I was tired of trying to figure that out. It's probably just like some weird, you know, like maybe a different manufacturer for some of the logic chips or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I, I think that's what it is, too, and that's what Hans at Siegecraft uh, thought as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think I just, that board has actually disappeared from his site. I'm not sure that he's uh, actively still selling it. I have, uh, it, it I have had, a bunch of them here. But uh, I, I, I emailed him, and he... Or actually, I, I was looking for a blank one so I could populate it with a uh, zero-insertion-force socket for easy swapping mm-hmm. the ROMs. And, yeah. he, and he uh, sold me a blank board to use. Yeah, I, I actually bought them all as kits from him. I just I said, listen, I'm I'm going to need like 20 of these. I'll just put them together myself. Will you sell me the boards bare? And he's like, sure. Zero insertion force. Oh, my. I had to say that. Yeah, Ron, you actually need that because all the uh, ROM chips I've been sending you, um, it, it, I was thinking that maybe Ron doesn't like to test all that software I'm sending him because... He doesn't have Ziff sockets in all of his games like I do. Well, uh, it's like, uh, I, I think I was talking about this with Zach recently that I, I'm using the Cobalt board or Cobalt. What? How? I don't. How you say it right? 
Kahoot, Kahoot, well, whatever it's, the Kahoot it's, board. It's, it's, yeah, it's K A H O U T. So okay. I don't know where the W comes All from. Right. Kahoot board. So I'm using that in my firepower and working with Scott. We have a system system seven version of firepower, and every time he sends me new code, I burn it, and I have to put it in these machine pen sockets, which are a pain in the ass. I mean, it will literally take five to ten minutes per socket sometimes to to get these things in there. Yeah, just get rid of those, throw them out. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just such a pain because you have to line up all the pins perfectly. Yep. And, you know, even if you – and I, I don't recommend anybody – here's a tech tip for people that are going into board repair. Those machine pin sockets with the round pins that everybody seems to be in love with, uh, I won't say they're garbage, but it. I mean, I guess if you're going to fix the board and you want it to be fixed once, you're going to put one chip in it and you're never going to change it, it's probably okay. I mean, but, you'll still like um, spend like three hours tearing your hair out trying to get the chips to fit in, but like at least that only have to have to happen once. Exactly, and it's and but then then everybody gives semi helpful advice when they say, oh well, why don't you reseed all the chips? And then if you're pulling the chips all the way out, you're going to have a double of a time getting them back in. So like, why do it? I just use the dual wipe sockets now when I'm replacing sockets. They're a lot cheaper. And uh, I don't know if you've tried to put zip sockets on your firepower run, but the the three sockets actually don't line up next to each other. I had to build uh, little helper boards that moved the zip sockets out of the way. What's a zip socket? Yeah, it's a zero <laughs> insertion force. So it's it's actually instead of just having like little sort of springy uh, sides like a normal uh, socket does. It has a little lever to clamp down these moving sides of the socket onto the legs of the chip, so it locks your your EEPROM burner, Ron. Ah, uh, yes. Socket. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it's really nice because you can just flip the lever up, just pull the the, the 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 chip will just fall right out of the socket at that point. You can just set another one. Yeah. And I, honestly, if if I didn't have ZIF sockets available, I wouldn't do any software development. It's a pain in the ass right now. I'm doing um, Valley Atlantis tournament software, and um, the zip sockets, while they fit physically on the board, the Valley was using really cheap sockets at the time, and the zip sockets have slightly shorter legs on them, and they actually won't touch the contacts on the sockets. So I have to do what you're doing with the firepower. I'm, you know, pulling out and pushing in, you know, the EEPROMs individually. Um, it helps too if you have a little handy thing that Radio Shack used to sell. It's a an IC pin straightener. And you just put the chip in it, and you squeeze two sides of it, and it makes the uh, pins the exact width that they need to be to put in the socket. But in your yeah. case, I, I would get two ZIF sockets and put them in for the, the two ROMs I'm always having you change. Yeah, because the thing is, with the machine pin sockets, you'll think you have it in, and you start pressing down on it, and you'll see that one pin that's bent up. And then you got to yeah, start it'll all either over bend, it'll bend on the side or it'll bend yeah. underneath, and you won't realize it. It's always one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always one like in the middle. I mean, how many, what's your, what's your population of chips? How many do you have? I, that's the other thing that I, that I didn't really think of. Cause I have, you know, thousands of EEPROMs and I burn them and then I, I just kind of leave them in a stack. I have a ton of 2532s. Oh, that's you good. You keep having me burn. I don't know how I got that many. I think I got them from eBay and they were just super cheap. So I got a crap load yeah. of them. So Yeah. Those I just I, uh, I bought some uh, uh, 27128s off of eBay, and and one seller the chips were fine, but then the other ones were from China, and I'm pretty sure they're remarks because none of them burn. And uh, I'm trying to get my money back on those right now, but 
Um, did you try the fun. new software I just sent you, or, or that's a weekend thing for you, Ron? A uh, weekend thing, probably. Yeah. Uh, do you want me to just do the latest and greatest? Because you were yeah, just, go just back. go ahead and do the latest one. Okay. It was just curiosity's sake that yeah. I wanted to see if the earlier one did the same thing because uh, we finally got a. Um, Ron sent me a, a private stream of uh, the fire, firepower code. We were trying to nail down the issue that he had with his machine, and we finally saw something logically that happened every single time. So that was uh, a good starting off point. I something I, I actually caught, and that it it bombs on if you play a four player game. What is it? Ball three of player one is when it dies every time. Yep, and that's good because the, the, that version that I had sent you, I had eliminated any other threads that possibly could have. Um, I guess they're like zombie threads. That's what it ended up being. It was a zombie thread. Zombie thread. Yeah, and um, it should be fixed in the latest one, along with the the bonus countdown issue. The bo- the bonus countdown issue I actually did have on mine. Um, but it never gave extra bonus or anything like that, so I just figured it was... Yeah, the bonus countdown issue for the listeners are going, what the hell are they talking about? It would, like, count down the bonus, and then it would kind of just cut, and then, like, seemingly start again. Yeah, it was actually it was actually running the routine, the uh, out-hole routine, twice. Mm. Um, so I just added some checking for that. So since we're speaking about all this burning, what ROM burner do you guys use for those who may want to start experimenting themselves well the problem that i have now with this is uh i use uh, a mini pro it's a tl 866 cs uh and recently mini pro discontinued this one and uh you can only get the a or the two version now and it does not provide enough voltage it it taps out at 18 volts and the now, chips what, we're what talking about, the about plus if it's the latest version, I don't, I don't think it's going to work either. You'd have to double check with it. It's, it's tough because the website is in Chinese, mm-hmm. Chinese and English. So, but they did make a change in the, the highest voltage that they, it can do is 18 volts. So I went out and I found an eBay seller and I actually bought two extras just so I can have spares. That's what um, I did too. Yep. And I also have a, a, a data IO one that's ancient. It's a chip writer plus from 1998. That one doesn't burn 2532s correctly because the definitions, which are non-editable, um, Just like only burn. Yeah, it only it only. Um, well, the Mini Pro at least lets you change the parameters. So when I need to change, for instance, when I burn 2532s, the definition I use is for it's a. You have to build an adapter to have it work. I sent one to Ron because he didn't want to build the adapter, but it. Um, the most of the definitions you have to use the 2732 definition. And most of those are 12 or 16 volts, and you have to change the voltage to 21 volts anyway to get it to burn. Actually, that's a question for you, Ron. Do you do you, your 2532s are they the A version or did you get the B one? I think they're A. Yeah. I think that's what so, they so say. So you had to them. bump up the voltage. Did you bump up the voltage to 21 volts, or you just use a 2732 definition, that... definition I'm using, and it works? The only issue I ever had with my burner is I could not burn the 2716s. Um, supposedly they're burnable on that. I was uh, in contact with somebody that said they got yeah, it. To I, burn. I've never had problems with them. Yeah, Zach's never had yeah. problems. Every time it, it would start to burn, like it wouldn't fail immediately. Like if you pick a wrong definition or something or do something stupid, it would like start to go. It would get maybe halfway through and then just bomb. And if you ran it again, like it might get further, but it wasn't. It wasn't finishing consistently. It wasn't working. So what do you mean bomb? Like. 
bomb is in, it would you see you, yeah you would see the the meter come up and then it would just bomb. Huh. Yeah, it would it would fail on the the verify function. Um, oh, the other thing I have noticed with the the verifying is that it'll it can verify and then actually still be bad. So what I've taken to doing lately with that specific burner is um, I'll clear the buffer out of it and then I'll read the chip back in and then save it and then I'll do a DOS compare on it to make sure that it's correct. But I, I mean, I do have the, the backup burner and then Ron and I have the same eraser. We have, uh, I'm surprised Ron bought this one. Me too. It does 40 chips at once. But you, you bought the refurb one off of uh, Amazon, right? That was like $125. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, you bought you bought the Amazon warehouse deal, and I said I'm not dealing with the Amazon warehouse deal, and I just uh, paid two hundred dollars for that same one. But hey, it can erase forty chips at once. That it can. Yeah, but like I mentioned before, also, I don't know how many people are familiar with Valley Atlantis, but um, I'm going through the code in that just to make it a game that you could actually use in a tournament. I mean, I don't know what Valley was thinking. There isn't a way stock to turn off extra balls, for instance. Um, and there's all kinds of crazy auto percentaging things in it that it's supposed to make it for location so that the operator would never have to make the game harder. I'm not sure why Bally didn't realize that operators don't change options on games. They just set them up and then they walk away. So maybe, maybe that's why they did it, but the operators don't care if a game is harder or easier. They only care if the coins are going in. How soon but, was that after high speed came out? I'm curious. Um, well, it's 1989. Um, Oh, that's a while. Yeah, so I mean, I can just picture all the manufacturers scrambling to add auto percentaging after. Uh, yeah, well, well, I mean, the Bally was part of Williams at the time. It actually has a Williams soundboard in it, but it still has the Bally. It's the last Bally sixty-eight hundred three game, um, and they they put in. It's actually got two sixteen-digit displays, just like Elvira has in it, but the um, software treats it as if they're four. Um, seven-digit display, so there's a blank digit in the middle of each display that it just never uses. And I was looking to see, like, well, maybe I can utilize that, but it's it's really ingrained in the code. Everything is towards the seven-digit displays, so I'm not even going to attempt to fix that. And actually, Zach, what are, what are, Zach, what are you changing in um, Faro? You said you're doing Faro changes. What are you changing in that? Oh, I'm a uh... I'm using my custom operating system I wrote, and I'm writing a new ROM from scratch, which mostly okay. my main wish for it is just that the number of Faro letters would carry over, and you could, and that you can get a second multi-ball, because the Faro multi-ball, the way you let your locks is you get like the fourth Faro letter, and mm-hmm. the Faro letters don't reset during a ball, so once you use your one multi-ball, there's just no way to ever light another multi-ball till you drain, so. That's okay. I, I, I want to uh, make it so you can light the locks some way that's not feral letters and have the feral letters carry over or somewhat carry over. But because, you know, as, as like with your black hole, I like just doing things the hard way for fun. So I'm writing. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's like, yeah, stars and uh, and flight 2000. It's, it's like, well, I wrote the operating system or I cobbled it together. And obviously it's heavily modified. It wasn't just like, oh, copy the code from here and put it there. And have it work. It's not that simple, but it's a lot of it is to see if it can be done. I, I mean, I know it can be done at this point because I've done yeah, because you're uh, doing alien, it, yeah, alien poker and hot tip already before. So I'm just like, well, I can just do this. It's just the matter yeah. of coding it. And so you ended up rewriting alien poker as well. 
Yeah, although I, I'm not happy with the rules I designed for it, so I sort of dropped that. Oh, it's, okay. it's, sometimes it's just really hard to come up with a different rule set on the same layout. That yeah, you know. so like for instance on the Stargazer ROMs that uh, Raymond Davidson suggested, and then we we made it happen for Stomp. But uh, I was watching you know the players in my group playing and other people playing, and it kind of changed the game from um, backflipping the rollovers at the bottom, Which and uh, yeah, and well that's good to get that out of there. Um, but it changed it to, and of course there was always the people that liked to shoot the center uh, spinner, but it, it changed it to shoot the targets and then just shoot the spinners and people were still ignoring the bonus. Um, and I'm like, I mean, well, the bonus isn't exactly completely it's removed. Not to ignore the bonus on that. Cause you can't go for most of it on purpose. You know, they're just not shootable. You're not going to just shoot a ball into the pop bumper on purpose just to hope it hits the targets you need. Oh, I do that. <laughs> I guess I'm weird in the way I play it, but the game is much better than than it was previously. I think, but I think there's probably some more tweaking that needs to be done on it. So, uh, if anybody has any ideas on that, well, how do you guys feel about these these modified games and tournaments? It seems to be a very hot button topic. I mean, we might have a minor bias here. Uh, yes, you do. Want to you point do. That out. <laughs> uh, well, we probably have a major bias. The you know because we're actual principles that are changing the software but you have the arguments that the players won't know like they've had no chance to play this and how do you know the code is thoroughly tested enough where it won't bomb i mean you should probably go through arguments one at a time so then we can rip them to shreds but <laughs> okay okay what about the you know i've never played this rom before i mean i've never played this this is completely different rules how am i supposed to know what it is All right, well let's let's do this uh you know one goes and then one the other because this otherwise we'll probably talk over each other so uh that can go first on that one i mean that's i think that's a good thing you know part of playing pinball is learning the rules to pinball and making up strategies and if the only thing you ever do is just go on pin tips and find out what the one dominant strategy is and do that mindlessly then like i feel like you're missing part of playing pinball so anything that can make the players have to reevaluate their strategy whether it's a rom chains or just something like some physical modification like they do a lot at in disc like on the party zone or on the theater of magic you know making feeds different or things like that to make people reevaluate their strategies live is i think a positive for the tournament and makes you evaluate more aspects of pinball skill okay well, I, I think uh, those are uh, good points as well. People can see the physical things, but they wouldn't know that the code has been changed. Um, I mean, you, you have to tell them. I mean, even if it's a physical yeah. thing, like a lot of them, like, you know, like the, if you're just changing the way something feeds, you might be able to not be able to see that by looking at yeah. the game until it happens. So like any oh, like theater of magic, for instance, if you didn't tell them that it was dumping the ball instead of doing the theater letters people would be like, oh, there must be something stuck there, or they might keep shooting it over and over again yeah, and saying, why am I not getting the super scores? Even. You know, it's like yeah. any time you're modifying a game from stock, even if it's just a setting in the generic game, I feel like best practice is to note that somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I think with the in terms of the software modifications is that there should be, since people do like to use pen tips, me included. I mean, I was playing games at Stomp that I was like, ah, what's the strategy for this? So I was actually on my phone looking up, you know, at pin tips, like, what can I do to just get some score, especially for the newer Stern games that I'm not as familiar with. Your phone has um, internet? Yes, my phone has internet. <laughs> you don't have a flip phone? 
I do not. Um, but there should be just a section that says if it's running, you know, this ROM set, you know, this modification. Uh, I think the big issue and the controversy came up on tilt forums because at uh, some tournament, I guess it was in Canada or Buffalo, uh, they were using Tommy with modified code that, uh, yeah, I knew where the website was that explained what the code had modified, but I imagine other people didn't. And, and apparently they, they there was did a not bug. Say where it didn't say on it that it was modified. Right? Yeah, I, I was at that tournament and like, yeah. And I, I've owned a Tommy in the past, and I installed modified software. So like, I knew all the rules, and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this has you know, the modified pin code software or not. So I, sp- I specifically looked for things when I started the game you know, to tell me which is a Yeah, like the super skill, skill shot or something, right? It's, it's sort of a skill in its own right to be able to do that. You know, the same like walking yeah. into a game and you see what version of the software a new Stern is running by like noticing little differences if it's not displayed, but... Still, especially on less common stuff like that, it would be really nice to have a thing. That's why, I, I mean, I always make sure for my modified software that when you turn it on, it actually shows the version number. Um, and in the case of the software that Ron has in his stars, which is the older, you know, just stock Stern software with modifications, when you go into the menus, it actually tells you the date and the version. But it also say it in the match display. When you turn the game on, the match display will have the version of the software. Um, which most people probably, if they didn't know, oh, look at the match display. You yeah, know, you or really they might even see you turning the game on either, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, in the case of Atlantis, it actually, I replaced the winners don't use drugs message with the version of the software. It'll actually tell you exactly <laughs> what version it is. To be fair, for Stomp, I did actually have a printed, basically, game list of where anything deviated from stock, placed mm-hmm. it uh, three areas around the. Level well, zero you, facility. I, well, no, I, I had everything. I, I still think you're missing a few things, but oh, well, do do tell what was I missing? The Black Knight lock memory setting. I don't think was on there, if I remember correctly. Okay, so I should I should have to say hard lock setting. No, you uh, said you, did, you did say you did say hard lock setting. But hard lock setting determines whether the the locks are lit by default. You need to shoot the turnaround. The bolt, the lock memories. Is yeah, he means to carry over. Yeah, the lock. Yeah, oh, so that if you if you light it on one ball, it it uh, is not lit on the next. Correct. Or even if you if you lock a ball and then you drain, you don't have your lock on the next ball on Ron's game because the memory is turned off. Is that even an option? Yep. Yeah, I don't it think is. that's an option. No, it's it an is. option. Yep. It is. What mm-hmm. version of the software is that an option in? It's L L four to be specific, because I had to do it. Uh, but maybe that's why I wasn't aware of that one, because my my Black Knight came with L three. Maybe that's the difference on them. It's it's in the manual though. Like it's one of the adjustments, so I don't know is what it? version of the manual I have. Well, I I never um, I I never would carry over a lock on Black Knight anyway, because it's so easy to lock the ball. I'd argue that you know if it's so easy to lock a ball, it's not going to make it harder for the good players. But it'll make it easier for the bad players. That's just something that I think you should have on in the tournament. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I had I had the stuff placed. You know, the little notes. I tried to have everything on there to let people know. But some of it was funny in that things that had nothing to do with the ROM change. People, I had at least two people ask how to increase the spinner value on Dragon Fist when it actually says so on the playfield. Which I thought yeah, was pretty Yeah, it says funny. it on the playfield and the instruction card. Yeah, so. but it doesn't say it near the spinner. Maybe that's it, because it says it by the X, you know, the 2X, 3X, yeah. 4X, and most people aren't. They're going to look by the spinner. 
Well, I mean, when I was running my tournaments, I actually gave like a pin tips type strategy for mine. Um, maybe people want that. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, that's just game knowledge. And obviously there's 302 dragon fists in existence. So not many people have a lot of knowledge of it, but it was printed on, you have an instruction card on yours, right? It tells you on the instruction card how to do it. It yeah. tells you on the play field how to do it. So, and plus, it's a classic stern, and they're all kind of the same way. It's like do something on the play field, and then it'll uh, it'll increase the spinner value. Yeah, I feel like that's a case of like at that point, the tournament director should not be giving out info about the gameplay because it's completely stock and written on the play field to boot. Like, yeah, I, I was actually thinking of a, a dragon fist modification, and um, I mean it's pretty much perfect as it was other than the error with the uh, bonus step. But I was thinking maybe start with all three banks lit for bonus. And then when you get them all down, then it'll do the, the moving like it does. Cause like we all said at the beginning that if you can't get that first bank down, it's just like, Oh, well you're in jail. You can't increase your spinner. So you think that would be a good modification to try out run? So you have like all three X's are lit to start. That's right. And you hit, so they'll stay lit. So if I hit one bank, then the other two are still lit. Yeah. And after I get them all down, then it starts rotating. Yeah. That seems nice. That does seem nice. And, man, you, it is hard to get a lot of bonus on that game, even with the corrected ROM. Even with the corrected ROM. Even I with know. holding over the Xs, you hardly ever get a lot of bonus on that game. Ever. It, exactly. It, it'd be cool if uh, the roll of and left orbit like also gave some extra bonus, depending on how my lights were lit to make that more valuable as opposed to the spinner as well. Yeah, that would be an idea as well. That would be, um, you could hold the bonus over too. I mean, that's, I, I thought about doing that with holding the actual bonus ladder over. And I wondered if that's what they had originally wanted to do. And then uh, I said, well, that's just going to make it a bonus fest. And Scott clued me in into a incorrect setting I had on there. Cause I was, I was trying to go through all the games to make sure like if you get a special, you get points. Yeah, Dragon Fist is kind of the exception because I didn't realize one of the ways it gives out specials is how many spins you have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so what is it, like 20, 40, or whatever? If you 20, get... 20, 40, 60, or 80. If it stops on that, it'll yeah. give you a special. Yeah, which is horrible. It's like, I'm, I'm yeah, glad he told really me that stupid. before the tournament because yeah. someone would just randomly get some kind of special award. Like, oh, uh, what did I do? See, Ron doesn't read his own instruction cards either because that's printed on the instruction cards. Oh, yep. as well. yes, it is. <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh, another, I, I, I would consider like a super bonus, like Bally on Dragon Fist might be good. Uh huh. Like a certain. Oh, uh, like hold over the decade, maybe? Like if you got 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever, and just hold that over, that's enough. Yeah, or maybe like only like 30, 60, 90, or 20, 40, 80, or something. The kind of like Skateball and Centaur yeah. and things like that. Um, well, that would be worth trying out. I mean, uh, we, what do we have? Uh, we have the people on the phone right now have 1% or more of the, uh, the existing dragon fist population. And I had Bruce's for a while. Yeah. So how about the other argument about bugginess, like testing the software? Uh, you want me to go first on that one? Sure. All right. Well, um, the software testing mythology I use is uh, I have other people play the game as well as me playing the game because I found that even when I repair things physically on a game, I play a game a certain way because I'm used to playing it that way. And the best way to get something to break is to have somebody else play it because they'll find a bug right away. Um, 
the insinuation on the the specific thread that where this came up was that only game manufacturers should be the ones coming up with code and testing it because for some reason the I guess people that work at game manufacturers are better at it than anybody else, um, which to a certain extent is true. They do it for a living, but I mean, and they also uh, have the actual code instead of reverse engineering it to start. Well. It depends. I, I, like the the guy with the Tommy, I think it, it was in the Tommy thread. So um, I'm pretty sure he reverse engineered the code. I don't think he rewrote everything. Um, a lot of the things that I do now, it's it's a complete rewrite. So it's yeah, not just easier. <laughs> it, it is, and then any bugs that are in it are your own. Um, which was what was really interesting about Ron's firepower, because previous to going to System Seven we were doing a lot of the same things on system six, um, which was almost a complete rewrite, but the architecture is so different. And then he was getting similar bugs. And I'm like, well, that's why I thought it was hardware on his game because it's a similar bug, but it turns out that the root cause was not. Um, but actually testing the software, you get it out there. Like I, I plan on bringing the Atlantis machine to the Allentown show next year and offering it for the tournament. So it'll get tournament tested. But it's getting played pretty heavily right now. Um, I do need other beta testers for it, so if anybody wants to beta test it that has a Bally Atlantis and can burn ROMs, uh, email Slamtill and Ron will forward it to me. That's slamtillpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, is that the email address? That's the email address, which I keep forgetting to mention. I know it's the last couple episodes. I haven't been mentioning our email address, our Twitch channel, our YouTube channel. I've been very lax in that regard. But... You know, for testing, it, it, I mean, it's tested. It's not, it's not something that, like the Firepower ROMs that I send you, I, I don't send you a ROM that I've just, like, made a modification to, and it hasn't been in my machine. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's especially difficult. People have requested ROM modifications for machines that I don't own. And then, you know, I don't have the machine here. So, you know, you're doing everything in simulation, and then you're depending upon their observations. Uh, it's very helpful. Ron has a you know a Twitch stream that he can send me um, and say, hey, look, this is what was happening. But most people don't have that, and they're just saying, well, I put it in, and it didn't work. And I said, well, when didn't it work? Um, so you almost have to teach people a testing mythology of, you know, do it this way. Um, you know, test this, this, and this. Even if you have to test it with the glass off, uh, to make sure that everything works as intended. Um, I imagine it's probably difficult for Zach as well because he's wrote the underlying operating system for his. I mean, I'm I'm just building on top of the existing thing, and he wrote an entire new one. So, I mean, Zach, what happens when you run into a bug? You really have to say, hmm, what's what's in my underlying code that might have caused this? I mean, the the advantage of that is that, like, I have my full annotated commented source code, you know, so as long as I can reproduce it, in a, a debugger, like mm-hmm. it's usually not that hard to track down. It's still, if it's like a crash or like a jumping to a random memory address, and it can still be an issue. Yeah. But like, I wrote my own operating system, but there aren't that many facets of the operating system, really. You know, so like, you know, like the it only has like five utility functions that you really mm-hmm. do much. So if there's a bug in it, you'll usually find them the first time you use them anywhere. Yeah. You know, so just yeah, you're not doing you're not doing so much in your back end that um, is is causing problems. Yeah, but, and I mean that's 
that's a myth I think with I'm sure the Tommy code was like completely tested and like you said in the thread you thought it was because the trough structures were messed up um, well, that's, that's I had that on my Tommy and like it's definitely a really bad mechanical design issue with the game that it's yeah. just susceptible to so trough switch issues on a stern slash data east yeah data east with all physical switches not a single opto yeah yeah yeah. yeah, so it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, trough switches uh, they get beat up all the time. I I have issues on on my firepower that you know I have to replace the one switch. It's the one switch I didn't replace because it has one of those plastic lifters melted onto it. So I'm like, well, I'll keep that one. Um, I probably should grind out the rivet and just put a new uh, contact in it. You know, that might be the easiest way to do it. But uh, yeah, switches uh, can definitely be a pain. I mean, if you're in a multi-ball game and you're counting the number of balls, you have to know where all the balls are. I mean, you're going to run into this with Pharaoh, Zach. You're going to be like, oh, I need to know where all the balls are. See, right? I actually have not had any issues with that so far. It was, I'll give it time. It was surprisingly easy to write the code, except for the part where I, I mixed up the trough eject and the outhole kicker at the beginning, which was very confusing. But uh, what, once that happened, just like it all worked the first try for all the multi-ball stuff. It's just like, it actually, the logic for it seems simpler than the single ball logic, which made me concerned about my single ball logic. But uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would be concerned with that because single ball logic's just like, oh, ball's in the out hole, uh, pause a little bit, make sure it's still there, and uh, then go on. I don't even have to on. do that because I've got built-in switch debounce in my operating system. Yeah, well, you have to think of, you know, strange things that could happen, like... Uh, on stock firepower software, if the ball doesn't see the outhole, if the trough logic doesn't see that the outhole was hit first and it moved it over, it'll just eject the ball into the shooter lane. It'll assume that the ball is there in error. Yeah. Uh, which I, I mean, thought was weird. Pharaoh also probably is a bit easy because it's only a two ball game with only two balls yeah. in the trough. And mm-hmm. so there's no time where the, the ball's ever held in a lock on the play field. You know, just as yeah. soon as it sees a switch in multi ball, it just ejects it. You know, so uh, like I'm, I'm sure I still. Are you going to change that behavior on since you're rewriting the whole game? Because that, that I, I'm not a big fan of. Oh, you got the ball locked for multi-ball. Let's just release it. I, I like having to do something to get it out. I like that, but then on the other hand, if you fail to do something, either you're going to get your ball back or you're going to just watch the ball drain. And I've heard many reviews from uh, irate fellow pinball players that watching your ball drain from a lock is really annoying. Mm. So. Well, just no. I'm saying, see, this this is where the the complex multi-ball trough handling comes into play because you now have to say, okay, there's a ball up there in the playfield that that player locked, and somebody else can steal it. But then you have to take that into account. What if the next no player stealing. doesn't steal it? Not allowed. That's that's the other thing with uh, Pharaoh is, you know, if there's a ball in the hole, and they and you shoot the hole again, like you mm-hmm. might be able to lock the ball out of the hole or other things that are just going to be a pain to code for. Yeah. But meanwhile, like, I always wished in firepower, because it has the star rollovers in front of the kickouts, like, you could have a non-lock stealing firepower by just registering the star as the rollover if you shot it when there's already a ball in there and count that as, as locking the ball. Oh, that's an idea, because I, I already added in somebody, the other beta tester that was at the uh, Texas Pinball Festival. Um, he wanted that feature. Um, so that when you, but he wanted a feature where if there was already a ball locked in there and you went over the rollover, it would, it would actually give you a two ball, multi-ball. It'll be like a, you'd steal yeah. the lock. 
that's, but that's a good idea too, that it would count it. Like, so if you had a, a ball locked in there and your lock was qualified, so you had a ball in there and you had the flashing arrow in front, it should register it as a lock when you roll over the rollover. Yeah, and turn it solid. That's a good idea, actually. I think I so will. You, I'll you add that to this... the next version of the code. Oh, boy. Oh, tread. boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anything I can do to help get rid of the scourge of lock stealing. Mm, you know? Yes, we know you hate lock stealing. But I wrote such elegant code to get the uh, the correct locks uh, going. And, and actually, both Ron and the other beta tester complained about it. They said, why, why does it light like this? How come I have a, a ball in there and it's blinking? And I said, well, yeah, you have to get it in the open one, and then it will release it. And, and I pointed stock? out that that's stock behavior. Oh, yeah. So yeah that's exactly it, the way it, Williams yeah, did it. Yeah, it doesn't really have lock-stealing firepower. I mean, you're just kind of screwed. Uh, word, like if you end up having well, to lock it, the ball it will, the top uh, the stock software will yeah it will always lock, light a lock. hole that you can lock it in at least one hole will light that you can lock a ball in. Speaking of tournaments, I want to bring this up because Scott actually brought this up I think when he was at Stop. If you watch a lot of these, like I think IFPA did it, um, I think Buffalo might have done it when they were using they like ballys specifically like the. The older ballys, like say you know Frontier, Eight Ball Deluxe, you know that that era of game. Fathom. 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 They would do this deal where you have a four-player game, but they would play players. They play two games, and they would use player you know one and three, both games. So they were protecting against tilt-throughs. But then Scott, you said something very interesting, and what was that? I had pointed out that uh, tilt-through ROMs have been available for all Bally classic games that would that use the 17 and 35 board sets for, I believe, 2012, 2013, something like that. Um, the people in the Pacific Northwest have them. I forget the guy's name. It's Noah something. Uh, he, he had beta tested all of them, and they were using them in tournaments as far as I know. And it just it makes it act like Stern style, so that if, if you tilt with no score the player will just get their ball back. And uh, Bally, it's, Bally itself, like, uh, Freedom from the factory does it. So, I mean, the, the Freedom Firewood that everybody loves. Um, so Bally was thinking of that when they came out with their first electronic game. Uh, of course, they didn't do it in any of their other game stock, but um, I'm not sure why people don't know about the ROMs or they don't use them. Well, they do. Now. Well, where can you get these, these awesome ROMs? Well, that, I guess that's the hard part. You have to know somebody that has them already and get a patch file for it. Um, the the main problem with uh, most people get their ROMs from the Internet Pinball Database, and it seems like a crapshoot when you try to upload ROMs there. Like, like I've uploaded the patch files to them, and they just say we're not putting them on the site because we don't really do modified software. But then you look at you know random games like Fathom, for instance, and there's there's two different bootleg versions up there. And it's like, and it says it's the bootleg version, but, um, and dragon fist and meteor. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the meteor, the meteor was a, uh, was a bug fix ROM, but then it was determined that the, the bug fix was actually fixed by Stern. So they eliminated the, the bootleg version because they didn't need it because the Stern had a factory fix for the endless bonus ball countdown. The dragon fist one, um, I think I just uploaded the text file that explained how to modify it. Has it been updated to, to be the actual ROMs at this point? I thought it was. It would be really nice to have like a central place to 
you know, keep track of all the different ROM mods and things like that. Well, I have that on my site. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually on. I mean, you have yours on your site. I have some of mine on my site, but, like, people need to find the sites and look at it. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's, well, my, my site doesn't have any downloadables on it. It just has uh, checksums um, for most of the Soren ROMs. For instance, he always provides checksums for the patch files. Uh, he, yeah. he does uh, System 11 and newer mostly. Um, and then for the older stuff, where I have the file, I can get the checksum, um, or if it's obviously something that I've originated myself. Um, generally, I just send patch files to people that you know ask for them. I, I've uh, um, been thinking... What would probably work pretty well and be technically legal is if you could write a web app that had a patcher in it so that, you know, you load the web app and then it automatically downloads the patch and you just tell it where your ROM is locally and then it completely locally on your computer does the patch and gives you back the copy without ever having, you know, you're never putting the ROM out, so as long as the person has the stock ROM. Well, yeah, it's the, the, all of this stuff, all of this stuff exists already. So I'm not, you know, you can use a program called Lunar IPS, which the ROM modding for Nintendo and yeah, but um, pe- people seem to constantly be confused by those. Yeah, apps. like yeah, I use that. Like, what is a patch file? They need, they don't know that stuff. But like, you could do this all completely automatedly. And I'm a jack on this one. Uploading the, the uh, ROM. Because what Soren did, like when Soren put his last couple, like you know, there's you, you need a patcher, and a lot of people get mm-hmm. confused on how to use it, you know. And and I I actually I used I used it, and I had to let him know one of his um, either his checksum was wrong or he put like the wrong one out there on one of them that he had to fix. It was one of the mm-hmm. ones that I, I I used the patcher, but yeah, what Zach said, if you literally had a site where you just like, I want this this patch. And you just point it to your actual ROM file and just modify it. Done. Make it happen, Zach. Yeah, Zach can make that happen. Just make it happen. Yeah, they'll probably try to sue me anyway, but like, I'm pretty sure that would be completely legal. Yeah, yeah. if you own the ROM. I mean, you're not... <sighs> but it is modifying it, though. That's the thing. Well, that's what the patcher does. The patcher is legal. Yeah. The thing I worry about is people not understanding that a web app is not uploading it to the Internet. You know, it's still happening mm-hmm. all locally. Yeah, and some people don't understand like it's a patch file. They think it's the actual ROM. Yeah. yeah. I've seen that a lot. It's like, this doesn't work. It's like, yeah, did you notice it's much smaller than the actual ROM? Because it's the just a patch format. And... Yeah. <laughs> but uh, cool. Cool. I, I love that idea. We've got to make that happen. But uh, yeah, no, the, the, the tilt-through ROMs, I mean, that's... I, I don't I don't really laugh when I see people using the things, but and I mean these are same tournaments. I mean the the ones that that Josh Sharp runs in his house. You know they they play, and he's obviously familiar with modified ROMs because he has a Barracora that has you know double scoring in it during the multi ball, yeah. like his father intended when he designed the game. And Stockett doesn't do it, and I know they use that at Florida as well. Um, and I'm like, why don't you just put the tilt ROMs in? And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's it's like kind of laziness, I guess, maybe at some point. And I, I mean, I'm, I imagine just like some term, tournament directors don't have access to a ROM burner, although like it's forty dollars or something for the yeah. mini pro. Like, it's like the cost of getting one ROM burned by like a professional ROM burning. Place yeah, well, the the, the problem with the professional ROM burning places is that their license agreements with 
Valley and Williams to provide the software, um, they're not allowed to burn modified ones. Well, yeah, exactly. But like, even if you just wanted, like, when I was working on my first game, you know, with the burnt MPU and the ROMs were bad in it too. For I don't, I never even figured out why. But I'm like, oh, you know, I can pay like thirty dollars or something. I don't, I forget, I don't remember what it was to one of these companies to get, you know, the original copies of the ROMs, a new copy burnt and sent to me. Or yeah. for forty dollars, I can just buy a ROM burner and then be able to burn yeah. my own ROMs forever, like. That was a no-brainer to me. I guess but, the, the difference is probably when we got into it, because when I got a ROM burner, they were over a thousand bucks. Yeah, I picked but one up surplus, the, but even the better ROM burners now are like 150 for the G4H, yeah, exactly. whatever it's called. Yeah, you know, it's almost I almost justified buying that for myself uh, if this one ever dies. But then I bought a backup, which will hopefully arrive yeah. someday. Uh, oh, you got China. it on the slow boat from China, like I did. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but my. my, but, uh, my and well, even even like I mean, Ron's in the technical industry, and uh, there was definitely a lot of back and forth when you first got your burner with, well, uh, how does this work, and how do you do this, and and it's yeah. it's and and it's actually always been like that because I mean I've been reading electronics magazine, computer magazines for since the early '80s. And it was always like, oh, look, here's an EEPROM burner that you can build. And EEPROMs then, you know, a 2716 cost $60. So, you know, it's a pretty yeah. expensive mistake if you messed up the voltage. Um, it, it's, it, I guess it's kind of a black art, maybe, to, to upgrade stuff. It, maybe that's why people don't want to deal with it. They just want to order the chips and pop them in. I mean, it's basically like you learn how to do it once, though, and it's just it's the same thing. You know, yeah. You know, so you figure out once, and the ROMs are pretty cheap now, like, you know, I'd recommend pretty much anyone, but even like, you know, I rewrote Hot Tip with modified rules and a whole bunch of people seemed really interested in that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're up for the idea, but then none of them have ROM burners or access to them. Everyone was like, you know, oh, will you send them to me? We send them to me and like, you know, I don't want to be packaging up like 20 no. plus ROMs and mailing them out and trying to get to the post office on time. Like it's way too I, I think I probably I mailed Ron the ROMs originally when we were doing all these projects, and I probably should have just bought him the Mini Pro and just sent him it directly and said, "Here, here's your burner." Pretty soon. Well, yeah. I I got sick of it after a while. It's like you know, can I just burn these myself? Like, what do I need? Yeah, to get? and now well now you have a burner, so you can you know repair all your other games that need new ROMs. Yep. But yeah, I, I've noticed that it's a pretty high bar for people. They they don't want to learn. Or they don't want to pay for it, or they don't like. Uh, I don't. Think, Bruce doesn't have one either, right? He probably uses. Uh, I, I'm, uses I'm the only ROMs. person I know of in like the western half of New York with a ROM burner. It's sort of ridiculous. The thing is, I, I used I used mine to. I mean, there's a Soren Getaway ROM that fixes all the weird crap that all the bugs like we saw and the the one actually Zach saw them in the turn when you're in multi ball and then another multi ball starts. Just bizarre crap that's in that game, and it was basically all fixed. There's a fixed ROM that fixes all those issues, and just boom, you know, burn it. It's in. It's in the game. Great, all set. And so now, so you were kind of a uh, a beta tester for it. Did you find any bugs in the fixes? No, I wasn't. I was. I tested the demo man one. Mm-hmm. That was it. All the other ones, I think he had other testers. Soren, because he had a big batch of them that he released like all at once as patch files. Yeah, I mean, my my contribution to the demo man was testing it and then asking if he could also do a the profanity ROM version of the claw fix because yeah. that's what I had in there. 
So, okay. so he did that. So I got a question for you guys, and this is the same question that was, um, I think, last week. The the tech question about the Flash Gordon, where Scott gave us some uh, Scott gave some advice, but we'll we'll go over the original question. Was this is Flash Gordon? Three of my bonus ins, and this is from Mike Dimas, I believe the Canadian Pinball Podcast. It says three of my bonus inserts on my Flash Gordon operate perfectly as they should, but they flicker on and off to the exact sequence of the back box lamps, which illuminate the words Flash Gordon on the back box. Hard to explain, but these lamps mirror the flickering effects of the back box lamps. I replaced the MPU, the lamp driver, and the auxiliary lamp driver, and the effect is still there. I repinned J4 on the MPU, which is for the lamp data, and still not resolved any suggestions, which Scott suggested um, look for a diode on the coin door, short it against it, go into the lamp test, and unplug the coin door to see if the issue goes away. And uh, Mike wrote back what, what he did. He, he said that, that didn't fix it, or he didn't find anything that was shorted, but he started a game, unplugged the coin door, and then got the bonus inserts lit to check if they were still flickering, which they were. The bonus lamps behave normally in lamp tests, so I would not see the issue in lamp tests. Thanks again, Mike. Now, okay. have either of you owned, owned a Flash, Gordon? I have not. I, I did a long time ago. So it has that strobe, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, not on all of them. Not on all of them, but so... The Flash Gordon lights are animated, and there's a strobe behind them as well. Uh, it's in the middle of them. Yeah, but but so there are controlled lamps back there too. Like it's not just a strobe. Yeah, there's a strobe board with high voltage on it. Mine actually, the strobe was broken on it, so mine just had a regular bulb in there that that blinked. Yeah, but I believe it. If you're, you're talking about, it has the Flash Gordon lights. I believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, they go in a pattern, right? It's like the Kiss lamp board, right? Where it's uh, it's canned, right? The the MPU doesn't actually control it, I don't think. I think it's just the circuit board does it. It's like got five, five, five timers on it, like black holes chase lamps are. I, I thought all the Bally's were controlled ones. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, this was. I, I do love how the Gottlieb's all do that, though. They just have the one ten lamp. Yeah, one one control. Yeah, turn turn on, and then just it just does it. Yeah. Although we really need reproductions of those. Uh, they're pretty much impossible to find now, and the transistors they use aren't made anymore. It's like the one in my black hole. Only three of the lights work. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been meaning to like try to make like a new one with like adjustable. Seems speed like a pretty simple and, board. Like, LED dimming and stuff, but I never got around to it. Uh, actually, Ron, does does he have LEDs in it? Actually, I don't know if he's it. it I read you the original question, so it does not say. Yeah, because okay. um, if he has LEDs in it, it could be you know ghosting issues. Because LEDs are so sensitive, and even if you get the the Ghostbuster ones, they could still get fooled because they're being controlled by SCRs as opposed to transistors. And and he, if he was LEDs, he might have gotten the Alltech board or the inline plug-in adapter boards or the manual resistor technique. But since he says in time with the other lamps, that makes me think it's not LEDs because that's why. LED, yeah, that's why I was thinking short. It, it, it would <laughs> usually be the 60 uh, psych hertz by. Uh, strobing yeah. from the uh, the wall plug in, in the case of LEDs. But it, it's that's why I said to look on the... It, it's pretty common to get the coin door diode shorted against the coin door, and then it causes the lamps to do funny things like blink in unison. But apparently that wasn't the case. But that, that's, a, you know, that's the simple fix. You know, we were talking earlier about, oh, what's the simple fix for something? And just from experience, I'm like, oh, yeah, the, the diode on the coin door, any... Any Bally game that has um, 
like lamp issues where they seem to be like, well, why is this activating? I mean, it's it's a, definitely a weird issue, but I, I still think he has a short somewhere. Like un- unplug the boards and like unplug the the um, the headlamps, see if it goes away. Uh, what what lights was it specifically again that we're strobing? Let's see, three of my bonus inserts on my flash cord and operate perfectly as they should, but they flicker on and off to the exact sequence of the back box lamps, which illuminate the words Flash Gordon on the back box. So it doesn't say which three. No, it just says three of my bonus inserts. Or, or which of the bonuses, because there's two separate bonuses on Flash Gordon. So I feel like we need more info to really narrow this down. All right. All right, there you go, Mike. We need more info. <laughs> which of the bonus insert lights are there? Which are three LEDs? are the LEDs? And it's the other the other bonus all work fine, I assume. Since you say just the three. Like if you get four bonus, the fourth doesn't. I'm looking at the schematics right now to Flash Gordon and uh uh bonus targets. I'm trying to see how the uh how those the animated lamps are controlled. I, I see on that. the auxiliary lamp it lists one Flash Gordon, two Flash Gordon, yeah. etc. Up to six, I think. So I'm yeah, guessing I'm that, that those now, are yeah. them on the auxiliary board, which is not the same board as the others. Although it, you you could picture like there being some weird issue with the latching between the auxiliary and the normal board. Yeah, so they, they that's the MPU, so that's less likely. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about because um, the way the auxiliary lamp driver board is addressed in Valley World is it just the lamp matrix is stored as 15 half uh, bytes, and then the anything that's said for the auxiliary lamp driver is right after that, and it's all done in the lamp interrupt. Um, yeah, there's just the one wire different, right? The one. Yeah, there's just one wire that strobe. which one it's strobing versus the other. The other, the, do you remember if the vocal, if uh, you know how the, like, some of the fly, early Flash Gordons have the vocalizer board like Xenon has in it? Do you know how many control lines are on that? Is that four or five? They don't go the same as the solenoid board, like on other sounds. No, the uh, uh, you mean the solenoid bank select? Yeah, because that's how they control the sounds normally in the valleys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using the solenoid select lines. Uh, well, the the earlier ones don't. They use five lines, um, like you know the fifty one soundboard that uses uh, five signals instead of four. But um, they needed that specific strobe for the seventh digit when they went to seven digit displays which is why their newer boards only use four control bits and they're using the solenoid bank select it would be interesting to see if the the lights were all on the auxiliary lamp driver board um, i mean the, the bonus like definitely aren't on there so yeah they aren't but if it's if it's leaking over for some reason like and it's just activating it maybe did he replace the mpu board to run or just the lamp boards it said mpu the email. Okay, so that it may be I, something with the connector, or he has a a wire that's touching. But you think it would be intermittent then? It can also try unplugging just the auxiliary board completely and see if that changes anything. So there you go, Mike. There's some stuff you can try. And if it doesn't work, you could just sell me your Flash Gordon. Or me. Cheaply. I'll, I'll take it too. Oh. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the hit for that. Got uh, another. I'm closer. So you're closer. Got another. <laughs> Got another email. This one's actually for me. It's kind of a tech issue. This is in reference to um, my total nuclear annihilation uh, flipper hop issue. This is from Jason. It says, Ron, I have this exact same issue, meaning flipper hop, on the left side, which makes hitting the lock and 
Yeah, hitting the lock and play in general sort of suck compared to what it could be. When I heard you bring this up on the podcast, I perked up. Please share anything you came up with. I have been entertaining some way to address it as well. Absolutely love the game. Just wanted to be 100% kick-ass. Love the podcast. Tolerating Bruce. Hates Houdini. TNA. Any modern game except Stearns. Loves ELO and Kiss. The defense rests. There's nothing wrong with ELO. <laughs> um... What I did on mine was be, because they use wood screws, and I, I mean the real solution would be to drill it out at least at least the outer ones and center it correctly and put T nuts in it and at least. What do you mean the outer ones? The outer ones because you got it's well there's three it's a lane guide there's three screws the two, right there's three screws in the lane guide. So typically what Williams would do is like the two outer ones, the one nearest the flipper, then the, the, the one to the left would be... Wouldn't those be the inner ones? Uh, no, they're the outer ones. The, the f- outer ones would be toward the edge of the game. Uh, oh, God. Okay, if you're going to... Okay, okay. La- label them one, two, three okay, in one, a two, row. Three, He's talking about one, one and three. And three. Yeah, they were typically just... It would be a machine screw going through a T-nut so the thing wouldn't move around or wouldn't, you know... Because they figured that out at some point. You shouldn't do that as if you have like a an older game. If you game. have a fast-moving ball, it's so, going to beat on that lane guy, so, and it's so actually going to move it down. What was the first Williams game to use those uh, metal-cut lane guides instead of just the wire guides? Williams? Don't most of the 70s ones have those metal guides? Yeah. Well, like, I, I know Hot Tip uses just a wire form guide, but then, like, Gorgar uses the... Uh, sp- specifically cut metal. Yep. So somewhere in it there, could, it could actually be, you know, it could be Gorgar somewhere around there. I mean, yeah, they man, all have they, them. Firepower, the, time warp, tri yeah. zone. Yeah, and they used the hell out of them. They used them forever. Although Gorgars are special. But the, they? the metal ones that are that are thick like that, they're you know stock. They're not. Um, they're just wood screws. I mean, they did. They weren't using the T nuts until much later. I, I know uh, Black Knight has the T nuts, right? Maybe the limited edition was. The or well, mine has the T-nuts. I'll, I'll say that, and mine's not limited edition. Yeah. Well, you could always you could always add them. The the thing that's that's common with all of this is that you need some way to adjust it, and there's really no way to adjust it, you know, other than it, at least if it's a wood screw, you can you know pop it out and fill the hole and then drill a new hole. Um, but if it's a T-nut, it's a lot harder to move. Well, they have some play around the, the thing that I found. Yes. Not much. Or, or you can do the real solution, just buy a Cliffy set for it. That's what I have in my firepower. Yeah. They're the best. Well, that's, that's, that's for the Williams stuff. But back to TNA. So how'd you fix it, Ron? What, what I did was, was lame. But, I mean, I really didn't have a choice. I mean, it's a wood screw going through there, so I can't really ream out the hole anymore unless I'm using a much bigger screw. And I'd want to ream it out, like, in a certain direction. Because it's not even... Like, oh, my. This, this, oh, my. This, the hole's not even centered on the, the artwork. I mean, it has, like, a little circle. And you figure the hole would be dead center. But um, it's a little lower than that, not surprisingly. Hence the flipper hop. So I'm assuming it should have been in the center of the, the little circle. But whatever. What I did is on the lane guide itself, it's just plastic. So I just took a drill and I reamed out the holes in the lane guide itself. Not much. Just took a little of the plastic out. You know, drilled it out a little bit so there's a little more play. And then when I... When I screwed it down, I just pushed it up as I'm tightening it, and there you go. I mean, it was very minor. It must have been very minor for yeah, the very, top, so yeah, that yeah. to work. And I, and I didn't want to take a ton of material out. I didn't want it so it was so loose. It's like 
Like, yeah. it's barely any plastic left holding the thing on. But yeah. that's what I did. And it, you know, if you if you if you take the ball and you put it near where the flipper is, like on the lane guide, and release it, it'll do hop a little. But if you do the full, like put it in the inlane and it comes down, there's no hop, yeah. which is what I was looking for. Because just like um, Jason here is having an issue, like he can't hit the lock shot because he's getting major hop. Yeah, I'm not getting uh, hop, hop now, so annoying. I can I can hit the lock shot on the fly. And, and especially on the right side, I want to be able to, if it's in the in lane coming down, I want to be able to crush that spinner on the fly. I don't want it to hop because it was doing that badly. Yeah, that, it ruins your shot. Yeah. It ruins, especially when you're trying to get, you know, build, you know, get the reactor critical and the thing's coming down. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to crush that spinner and it freaking hops on you and you can't hit it. It's so frustrating. So that's that's what I did for that, Jason. Hey, was the um, did you happen to look at the flipper? Was the flipper mounted too high? You know how sometimes they're not centered in the hole. The flipper, the, uh... the flipper was fine. Mm-hmm. It's centered. So you actually took the flipper bat off to check. Yeah, and the other thing you can do is you could also, and I did this with uh, Dracula, I believe. The the rubber that's on there, some of the rubber is tighter than other rubber, yeah. depending on where you get it from. And if you get the tighter rubber, it's not as it's not as thick. So you don't, you won't get that alone. Oh may help. Oh God, that <laughs> alone. When may, you need them, right? Yeah, that might fix a lot of the hop. That it, it got rid of it on my uh, Dracula when I went to. Um, I actually used black, black um, flipper bands. I hate that Dracula. I hate that Dracula too. Yeah. Did you print it? Did you print a new sign for it? <laughs> yeah, you took my sign off, you bastard. So, all right. As an addendum to before, yes. Disco Fever used wire inlane guides. Pocorino immediately after it had uh, four flippers and no inlanes, and then Phoenix had inlane guides. Yeah, and Phoenix is the first one that I own, so that's probably good. So thank you, Barry Ausler, for the metal inlane guides. Is that what you're saying? Yep. So now we just need to go and disassemble all of the games after Phoenix and find where they started using machine screws. These are the kind of questions that Zach gives me all the time, folks. This is how I come up with the stumpers. These are these are what you call cool questions. Like, what was the first metal guides to use machine screws? You said your Black Knight uses it? Yep. And all my other double lever le- levels also use it, but Black Knight's the earliest. And I, I have not checked my alien poker. I'll have to check my firepower and my flash. I think they're just wood screws. Flash I'm pretty sure Flash is just yeah, wood yeah, screws. Yeah, I'm pretty but, sure Flash uh, is, because that's always loose. Then you have up another stumper for us, though, you mentioned? Oh, I have a stumper. Well, we the stumper we had last week, which was games that have, like, three balls in the trough, but actually only have a two-ball multi-ball. And I mentioned um, mm-hmm. Creature from the Black Lagoon. And then I had another, the other one I mentioned was Jokers. Yeah. We had a listener who sent me another one. Steve Daniels actually sent me Dr. Dude does the same thing. Yeah. So do we know any others? Were there any games after Creature that had just a two-ball multi-ball even? Mm. I mean, I guess like the first multi-ball of Jackpot is, but nah. Yeah, but it, there's three balls in there, though. Yeah, I, and I the think the reason they, uses three. they do it is, is um, when we were talking about the coding for, for multi-ball troughs, um, that's kind of a standard thing on Williams games where the code's already written, very tested and very debugged. So I think maybe they said, why, why fool around with it and, you know, test for two, you know, 
and then have to retest everything. Let's just keep using this code. Like for jokers, they probably just said, let's just keep using the code that works. Yeah, although Jokers was made by uh, Bill Futzen Router, and yeah. I thought that I read that. Sure, yeah, and I thought I read that like he had redone a lot of the operating system for like his own. Um, he didn't. He didn't necessarily redo it, but he didn't use a lot of the the built-in codes. Um, did you know he wrote the software for Flight 2000 also? Yes. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I was, you know, doing some research on Flight 2000, and I said, "Oh, look at that!" And I said, "I'm surprised I didn't recognize the coding style. Um, it's very convoluted. That's oh. why I want to rewrite it." Stumper. Stumper. Yes, this was actually from um, Zach, so he'll have to give us the answer. The WPC games typically have, well, unless they're WPC 95, but WPC games typically have five GI strings, five general illumination strings. That are individually controllable. Individually controlled, each with their own fuse. I believe controlled by Triax and WPC yep. system. Pre-WPC, what games had... Well, you, you say it. Like, what was it? What games had the most? The, the, the largest number of individually controllable GI strings. I thought it was just any, any that we were going for. Because, I, I mean, I know of two that have two. <laughs> I, I mean... Two I knew each. one that had three, which wasn't the one that... Yep. Uh, Exactly. I, I know one that has three. I don't know of any with four, and I don't know of any others with three, except for the the two that me and Ron know. So I guess it's up to you to guess. Well, one one, one of them that has uh, dual GI strings on it is uh, Bally Atlantis. Uh, it's got red light and uh, white light that it can switch mm. back and forth between. And it'll also control the back box, but those are all relays, not necessarily... Um, oh, relays count strings, string. though? If that's three yeah, separate and, uh, strings, that counts. Station, space Station has dual illumination. So on Atlantis, can it control the back box separately from yes. the red and the white? Yes. All right, there's so three, three relays strings. total. Yeah, there's a, a red string, which will illuminate during special modes or if you get a tilt warning. Um, the white string is normally on, and then the back box will turn on and off as well. It's a bit of confusing messaging right there. So we got another one. And Space Station, is that the same? Does it have two and space, then one in the space, back box? Space Station has, yeah, when you're redocking and during multiball, I think it's... Uh, I forget what color the light is. Green. The, is it green? Yeah. Well, at least all the ones I've seen, it's green. I guess you can put whatever color you want in it. Well, yeah, they're, they're, uh, they're uh, uh, post. That's how they get the red on Atlantis as well. It's just a post. Oh, it's not a colored bulb? No, they put the bulb, and then it has the sleeve that Bally liked to use, the, the color sleeve that usually fades out to yellow. The lamp condom. No, it's, it's, a, um, it's a tube. Oh, all right. It's more yeah, like a that's... penis pump as opposed to a condom. Oh! That's interesting, because like, Black Rose uses red condoms on its uh, red GI strings. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, Atlantis was a, was a bridge game, so they were probably using up parts. Yeah. Were there other ones, though, that... Okay, what about Electra? Doesn't Electra have... Uh, That's one of the GI ones I was thinking it? of, if it had separate ones for the three different play fields. And Black Hole and Haunted... Well, Haunted House, maybe not, but... Well, they have GI that turns on for the lower play field. Black Hole cannot control the back box, but it can control the lower play field, and yeah. via the tilt relay, can control the main play field. And I don't know about Electra, but um, the one I guessed... Black Knight 2000. Okay. The only reason I knew that is because I owned it. And I, I remember yeah. 
that it had. I've, I've owned it too, but I don't remember. Yeah, it had a lower play field. I guess it field. did turn on and off. Yeah, because yeah. it would do it in it's track got that mode. Cool multi-ball start. Yeah, that's that's yeah. what it's all for, the awesome multi-ball well, start. Well, I mean, if you're going to go that way with controllable GI strings, I mean, a lot of Williams games had that. The System 11 world is, there's a shit ton of relays all over them for GI stuff. Like Whirl- Whirlwind has uh, lighting effects that are sort of GI. Like what? Uh, the lightning. Like it, it can light the uh, pop bumper areas individually. Uh, Does not just control the lights? Well, they act like GI. I mean, if you're going to define GI as being on all the yeah, time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess how many lights does it take for it's GI? <laughs> well, what was the one you were thinking of, Zach? We never even got that one. Well, Black Knight 2000 should give you a clue. Well, that has to have multiple play fields. So I was trying to think multi-level play field games. Well, there's only so many of those. Pharaoh? Yep. No. Well, it's not too hard to figure out because that's what you're working on. Damn. That was easier that, than that I thought. That might have been thought. a better clue, right? Yeah, because you, you're obviously controlling it, and uh, you, would, you would find that out right away. Like, oh, I wonder why all those lights aren't lighting. Another useless tech fact on um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. It changes it up. It doesn't do – typically they would do the three strings in the play field and two in the, the back box. That one does not. It actually splits them between to do the uh, like the, the lightning effects. You can see it, too, very clearly in the attract mode. Uh, so part of the GI is, is it's the string. Is so split, like the so string – like you'll have one string in its back box and, and play field on a, at least yeah. two or three of them. So Electra has two controllable – Lower panel and top panel, whatever that means, mm-hmm. looking at the schematics. Uh, Bally called uh, playfield panels, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think it's just the your your regular playfield and the upper playfield is alone. And then the lower playfield, it only turns on when you do the bonus game. for you, When you have your Electra units built up, it'll activate. So to totally change the subject, who here has played Deadpool? <laughs> I because <laughs> I was I have a, not I was at the Deadpool launch party at the world famous rock fantasy this past weekend. Hi, Steve. And I I finished uh, third, so I did pretty wow. good. Don't you usually finish third at those things? Well, I got well I got money. That was an improvement. Oh, I, was, I was in the money, right? I was in the money, and Zach, you'd be happy. I played I played Star Wars. And I got a billion, which I'm sure is nothing for you, Ooh. but for me, that was pretty good. That's pretty good for me, too. And I lost by a billion. <laughs> As Anthony, the kid, he got like two billion. And um, it was it was his night in the finals. He like he blew up. He blew up uh, Iron Maiden, then he blew up Star Wars. So he had already mathematically won by the time we got to Deadpool, which I got to play. And I had a weird issue that occurred. In that, and maybe Zach could refresh my memory. The first Ninja Multi Ball is the lock just lit for you for the three locks, or do you have to actually light it? The ones that I've played, you needed to light the locks. All or right. Like maybe like one was lit at the beginning of the game, but then yeah, you okay. need to light two. Right. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. And that's in in pool. The pool targets are supposed to be the lock. So I locked two balls, and I'm coming up on ball three. And I want to start the Ninja Multiball. And then, you know, the lock's not lit, but I only need, like, say, one of the O's in pool. So I hit it, 
and it registers. I mean, it, it does a little flashy thing. Okay, you completed the bank, and I notice no lock. Like, huh? So I shoot it anyway, and it did the, like, the balls are locked on the sword thing. And it took one and then released one and gave it back to me, and I'm still in single ball play. Like, huh. Sounds like a bug. Yeah, I, I dead the other target, so maybe I was wrong. Maybe it wasn't pool. Maybe it's dead. I only needed one target there, so I hit that and completed it. Now, did that light the mode? And still no lock. That's the thing I don't even remember because at that point, after I lit it and, and the lock still wasn't lit, I ended up draining soon afterwards. Cool. And I, I thought they were streaming the game, but it looks like they literally turned it off. They stopped the stream right before our game. It's a conspiracy. It is a conspiracy. Like, literally, you could see me playing on Star Wars, which was the previous game, on the stream, and then they shut it off. Because I think the Deadpool portion of it had been was done, and that's what they were filming. So I have no idea. And I I asked around. It's like, is, isn't it supposed to light a lock? And everyone said, like, no, pool is supposed to light a lock. And it didn't for me. Were you in any kind of mode that precludes it? No, I wasn't in a mode at all. It was, like, right at the beginning of the ball. I don't think any Uh-oh. of the modes preclude it either, except for the uh, yeah, little Deadpool. Yeah, I don't Deadpool. think so. Yeah, I don't th- I but thought... Maybe I ran Speaking in... of Deadpool bugs, though, have oh, you okay. seen the other big bug on Tilt Forums that's been discovered? Like, if you go through the status screen, when you get to yep. Player 3, it locks the entire game up. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like a major one. Yeah. You know, sp- speaking of the high-quality code released from professional manufacturers, compared to us, you know. Hey, uh, let the record show that I didn't say that. <laughs> we know who would say that, so. You know, oh, I, w- I would say it. I just wouldn't say it publicly. Not to be, like, insulting to the Stern guys. Hi, Timmy. Because like, If only there was somebody there that you guys knew that you could, you know, email them and say, hey, maybe you want to look at this. I'm, I'm sure they know, but, like, it is beta code. And yet yeah. it's being used in a whole bunch of tournaments. Hmm. Well, what are you saying? Uh, what are you saying? I mean, it's 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 like version one. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> and I mean, again, like, that's why my my software never comes out of beta. It's always uh, in beta. <laughs> I, I, I unlike a lot of people, I'm perfectly fine of Stern releasing beta code. Actually, sure. I think it's pretty cool. Like if they rebalance the games, then like as you while you own the game, you get to. You know, relearn the rules and learn different strategies multiple times yeah. each time the code comes out. Look at Guardians. Yeah, like Guardians, or the big thing that always stuck out to me was the Stern Star Trek, where like every single update, like, you know, like one of them you want to time out the modes, the next was like some multi ball, and like, and it, it got to like. But I'm, I'm hoping now that we have a lot of, you know, pinball players that work for Stern that we're going to see some changes in the way the rule sets are. But, uh. Yeah, so that, I think that's a positive thing that the people they've been hiring that have been tournament players and they're top tournament players. And uh, I mean, Lyman always was, but he had a lot of constraints put on him, you know, just because he was the only guy, you know, there that's like, Hey, let's do this. Like, look at all the stuff he stuck into ACDC. You know, that's like, he's got all that deep stuff for those people that love the deep rules. Yeah. It's not deep, but that's a different. <laughs> um, so what do you think of Deadpool? So, I don't like the shots or the layout much. It feels very clunky and rattly. The modes seem pretty cool. It's it's more than just shoot the lit shots like every other game except the last three uh, Dwight Sullivan games. High Star Wars. And it has like uh, the Megalodon quest mode. I was interested to see like there's actually multiple color inserts just for that mode of like 
blue shots or ocean shots because you've missed the megalodon, but you've you know you shot the ocean. It gives you some points. Been like there's a red shot moving around. That's actually the megalodon. So if you can hit that, that's worth way more points. You know, and lots of cool, more involved rule sets in the modes, which I appreciate. But hopefully, just because it's still in beta. There's absolutely no instructional text anywhere to tell you what you're supposed to be doing or explain anything to you, which really makes it hard to play, especially when you only have a few games on a, on a location game. Um, I still I like it. The, the that one shot worries me though, because I got a, yeah. multiple rejects from the the main. You know, it's the main shot of the game. That the 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 identifying shot, I would say, where you look at it like, ooh, that's unique. Where you you know you hit the little the mini orbit and then it goes up the ramp. I had at least a couple times where I just nailed that dead center, and it was almost too fast where it went around and just rattled and killed it, and didn't make it up the ramp. And I was concerned it, it's not super consistent, at least on the one I was playing. And the other thing is that that rebound shot, like that playfield multiplier shot, like. I'm trying to. Is it supposed to be? I'm supposed to hit that target and have it go up a ramp. That's like the only thing that gives it to me. Yep. Because it just seems it, like I hit it by almost accident, and all of a sudden I see a thing. You know, playfield multiplier increase. Like, oh. Yeah, that's. I'm really not a fan of that. I hate when like you can get like really big scoring opportunities. Like that playfield multiplier in that game is major, and you get it by accident more often than on purpose. Like that. Yeah, I don't like that. But other than that, I mean, it's. I, I like most of the other shots. I like the left ramp a lot. I like the theme. Like I like Deadpool as the theme, but because I haven't really uh, been paying attention to the game or anything like that, I mean, I'll probably end up um, seeing it at Allentown next year and probably not playing it again. I mean, I haven't played any of those new Sterns. Like uh, Iron Maiden was there last year, and I didn't even play it. What do you think of Maiden, Zach? Uh, it's pretty boring. It's pretty boring. Wow, there's going to be people thinking like you're high or something. How is well, it? Well, from what I've seen on from what I've seen on streams, I, I didn't think it looked boring, but uh... it does play long. But what what makes it boring? Everyone universally loves this game. I don't get it. But like all you do, or all I do, pretty much is like I shoot the middle, which advances me to a mode. Then as it comes down to the upper right left flipper. I bash into the captive ball, which progresses you towards mummy multi-ball, and the rebound after that hits the drop targets, which progresses you towards uh, trooper multi-ball, and then the ball comes back down, and you catch it, and then you shoot up the center ramp again, and just repeat that over and over, and you get modes and both multi-balls all off the same one single shot. I thought, like, the modes later on, though, the center shot didn't count for Eddie Letters. After, like, the third mode, I think, the center shot stops counting. But, like, first of all, if you get to through three modes in a competition, like you're probably pretty set. And even then, like then you can just start shooting the left spinner, which is like the next easiest shot. It's also right at the center. If you miss it, you still hit the captive ball, and it's still pretty much the same until you get to like the last mode. We have to combo the ramps. Then just a giant pain because the the those ramps are not the easiest thing to hit. So not a fan. Yeah, and lots of other reasons too. But that's so what the- you're saying is that I shouldn't even bother to play it. Don't listen to him. He's not always right. You like Star Trek Next Generation, so, you know, it, maybe you'll like it. Oh, my, 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 uh, I didn't say I liked Star Trek Next Generation. I just said I owned one. Why would you own a game you didn't like? Well, I do like it, too, but... Uh... <sighs> but you like Guardians, though, right, Zach? Guardians is pretty fun. I have played Guardians. Uh, I thought it was okay. I mean, I like the movies, but 
Was it on the I, was it on the newest code? Yeah. Because it used to be group ball, then it was orb ball. This is month months ago, and I, I I don't even think that was a thing. Then I was just playing it casually. I don't you know play in that many mm-hmm. tournaments, so it was just the casual play. Oh, let's see what we could do, and it was at an arcade that you know had you know no tilt on it. So I was like, oh, let's see well, that, what I can do walking that, around. That's one of the things I like about Guardians is the way I play it in tournaments is the same way I'd play it for fun. You know, of just let's see how far I can get. Let's play the modes like. The tournament strategy, as far as I can tell, is basically like maybe, maybe like which mode you choose first, somewhat. Although there's multiple valid choices there, but like the way you play a tournament is you just start playing the game as it was intended to be played. The same with Star Wars, you know, like the way to do well in it is to play the modes and do the stuff. Like that's yeah, I like playing. I like just playing the game. Like uh, I think somebody at Stomp said, "Boy, you're you're not really into holding the ball." Are you? I think Ron said it. He's like, boy, Scott doesn't do any, uh, he doesn't do any, uh, you know, flipper holds or anything. And I'm like, well, you don't need to. I mean, if you're going to make the shot, you're going to make the shot. If you practice, you know, enough and you're going to, you know, be a flow player. And I, I think uh, more people that are writing the software, you should get a bonus for making a quick shot. You you got the in lane, make oh, yeah. a shot right away. Get That's more why points. I like Star Wars. Oh, does that do that? Not quite like that, but like there's the shot multiplier which goes up to 40x based off of... Yeah, which everybody hits. seems to hate, but... But it, it just off hitting stand-ups, you know, yeah. so, like, if you want to keep it high, you're either going to purposely shoot deft targets, or if you just play a bit more on the fly, you'll just naturally hit them, you know, off rebounds and stuff. So, mm-hmm. like, in order to score, like, pretty good, it actually incentivizes playing less controlled and just... You know, playing it more naturally and just letting. So it all of the people that are complaining up. about Star Wars are complaining about it because they're probably you know stop and aim players. That, but also the, the shot multiplier is very confusing to use, which I just ignore at nights of the time, and like it's perfectly okay to do that, which a lot of people sure. seem to not get. Is like there's enough stuff in Star Wars that unless you know it well, you should just ignore some of it, like not. Like there are multiple ways to score good. You know, you don't need to pay attention yeah. to all of it. So, but I like games that do have multiple strategies. That oh, if I do this, I can get this. I can do this, and I'll do this. But and if you do all of them, all of the the weird strategies, and put them together, you're you're just gonna have like a totally killer game. Obviously, tournament playing is is slightly different than just playing, you know, for a high score or to see if you could do it. Well, I'll say this tournament the deadpool launch party i had a situation where i finished third but i had to win a four-person playoff game for the eighth spot to get into the playoffs so one spot for four players and we played star trek not next gen but the new the new new star trek the good one yes the good one and i had the one that you sold (laughs) yes which at least five people now have asked me why i sold it it's starting to get old people Another game that really incentivizes flow play yes. and combo shots. Combo and stuff shots, baby. Well. And I had, oh, let's see. First, I was playing the modes, going through the modes, getting my, um, you know, what, what is it, the, the away shot or whatever the hell it is to get more stuff and whatever that's called. I never get the terms right. But I had uh, Frank Gaida, the dad of Steph Guida, the pinball princess, was in the lead with like 100... He probably had like 110 million. He's player one. On player four, I have like 47 million. And I have a situation where like I have two balls locked, 
and I have the three lock targets are, are all flashing. So I have to hit all three. And I'm figuring, like, I'm going to soft plunge and try to get the targets. So I soft plunge. I hit two of them. Still got the ball saver. Let it drain. Soft plunge again. Get the third one. And then actually lock a ball. Like, holy crap, I did everything right. But multi-ball starts. And literally for the entire ball save period, I do not hit a single jackpot. But I, I managed to trap up not panic. I still had three balls. And then I started to take the, you know, the controlled approach. Zach would have loved my stage flipping to get the two jackpots stage on the side ramp. That, that was that was sweet. Mm. It actually worked. And I only needed, I think, one more shot on the right orbit to get all the jackpots before I drained out. But still... The right orbit is always the damn thing. Yeah. Then I got right into Vengeance. And I got through that. got... It, it basically, I, I ended up winning like a hundred. I had like a hundred sixteen million. And I realized, like, yeah, I, re- I still really like that game. Well, uh, why did you sell it? And then? everyone asked me that again. Yeah, it's like, yeah, Ron, you always kill this game. Why did you sell it again? It's because you always kill it, or and you, and you <laughs> can always get it back. I mean, it's it's a newer Stern, so Star it's Trek like, LE. Yeah, I had an Come LE on. though. I had an LE. Will you ever go to justify spending that that much money on it again, though? Like, no, no, I can't. Even if it is good, like, I and even, even if you did regret it. But you know, yeah, that might be that might be regret. I've never had one. That might be the, my first one. I don't know. You've never had a, re- a regret on a game. Have, have you ever rebought a game that you had? I, I, I How bought, many games yeah. have you even sold, Ron? A, I, a game I bought, yes. As far as games I've sold, no. I've had a regret that I got Ghostbusters. Although not really you got, because, you got that for free, because I got it for free basically and got my money back, so that wasn't really a regret. Uh, family Guy. You regret selling that? No, I regret getting that. You regret buying it? Yeah. Okay. That's about it. Yeah, you don't. You generally don't go for the the Pat Lawler games. I was uh, surprised that you. Well, would. I have dialed in, but Zach doesn't like that either. It's like the second least Lawler Lawler, Dever Lawler. Um, it's uh, my opinion's definitely changed on it a little bit. I mean, I liked it when I first played it at the Allentown show, like two or three years ago, whenever that was. But um, um, of course, because I couldn't do anything on it at Stomp, but uh, it's like, eh, it's a little busy, you know. And then, uh, you know, the sim card scoring seems uh, far out of, you know, kilter compared yeah. to everything else on the game. Well, don't worry, you won't be able to hit it anyway if it has a protector on it. Yeah, exactly. I, so you've got the main shot of game that, that you just, can't hit. They should just make a mod that extends the side ramp right over the SIM card hole to make the side ramp easy. Just block off the hole completely. And then just score the SIM card from the side ramp? No, it just never gives you SIM cards. Never gives you SIM cards? Balanced. <laughs> then you should like mine then, Zach. And you never can get SIM cards on mine. No, except when you fall by accident, which is even worse than like having it being hard to hit. You know, The same with yeah. like, the dead ramp shot. If the main way to get the multiplier is by accident, I, I think it's a bad design, personally. Yeah, it, well, the thing is, that's that's the actual design in Deadpool in Dialed In. If Literally, if you take the SIM card protector off, then you can actually hit it. But it also falls in why, why do you take Why don't you take it off? Because it'll wear like hell immediately. Isn't it underneath something? You won't see it anyway? No, you'll see it. I played I played a couple now without the SIM protector, and they are both worn big time. Yeah, and they both played much better. I would argue. Well, isn't that, that isn't that the ultimate goal? Don't you want a, a better playing game? Yeah, I guess. Like, can you put a piece of? I mean, what's wearing? It's wearing the wood away, just like all like yeah. Uh, it's like a bizarre. It's a bizarre too. angle too. 
like maybe if you put some bald ending foam on like the sides of the scoop too, like that might help. Yeah, I'm surprised someone hasn't come up with something yet. Some better way to protect it so it doesn't reject constantly. Well, half the problem you have is that there are people that don't, they they own a lot of games and they don't want them to wear because they paid a lot of money for them, which is understandable, but they're not really players. I mean, I'm sure you both know people that have gorgeous collections and then they don't actually play their games. So maybe... It's best um, to keep them gorgeous. Yeah, that well, they keep them gorgeous, and uh, I mean, generally, a lot of those people are like, "Why are you shaking my game?" You know, get out. I mean, speaking of yellow cards, right? I mean, uh, Zach didn't get ejected from the tournament for picking up the Star Trek Next Gen machine. I didn't that was more pick it up. I just slid it. Oh, that was the legs were definitely off. The, the legs floor. were definitely off because it went like a foot and a half forward, and it was like like an inch from my freaking septic pipe. The only thing I did was slide it like a foot to the side. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, now he's now he's No, now no, he no, no, no. I had Bruce had to go underneath it and basically lift it up and pull it back from the freaking pipe. If only if only there wasn't film on this, right? Mm, no, there was no film. There was no oh, film. darn. There was no film. But yeah, happened. that would have been bad if you had broken oh, yeah, the septic the, pipe. The, the, the whole thing I did was sliding it to try to get it to stop going out the death out lane thing over there. Maybe the first ball. Uh, there was definitely some rocking but then, going then, on. Then there was some raging going on. Some some raging going on after that. No, it, it was raging. No, I think he. I honestly think he was trying to save it. But uh, once it was down the outlane, there might have been some rage rocking. Yeah, th- th- there was there was rage right from the plunge when it moved my skill shot after I'd selected it. Oh yeah, you it. got really upset about that. Pisses me off. Like I use the flippers to select a skill shot. That means I've selected it. Stop moving the selection. <laughs> That's not the way that works, though. Yeah, but blame Dwight, your hero. He programmed that. See, Dwight figured it out when he got to Star Wars. You know, <laughs> you know Dwight has a lot of issues with his games with delays on things. I mean, he did the um, Johnny Mnemonic, right? Mm, Wasn't that his first game? No, I don't think no? it was Johnny no, Dwight's first game was Riverboat Gambler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's, let's shore this up here. This has been a very long tech discussions occurring here. I have one more subject that Zach actually brought up today. Laser Lord. Who remembers Laser Lord? Does Scott remember Laser Lord? I remember seeing a flyer for it, and I remember all the pictures that came out for the uh, wide-body version of the prototype that wasn't just a Quicksilver playfield. Yeah. So the long story short is the Laser Lord was going to be the next game after, I assume, Orbiter 1. And it was going to be a wide body. And the prototype was in Joe Joe Jose. Am I saying his name right? Joe Juice. Joe Juice. Joe Juice was working on it in a, in a Viper cabinet. And he was building up the prototype for Laser Lord. And then they ceased, I believe they ceased pinball production, but they were still doing video games. So it just sat there. It went nowhere. Then in like two years later, in one last ditch effort by Stern, they decided to bring a game to the what the AOMA show, whatever it's called, the industry show. So they basically mm-hmm. took a Quicksilver, did different artwork on it, took the Laser Lord back glass from the other game, and and boom, it was Laser Lord. They brought it to the show. They did a flyer up for it, and I don't know what happened at the show, but I assume nothing good happened because they basically closed down right after that. 
Well, if it was 1983 or 1984, I mean, you could see why that wouldn't happen. I mean, pinball was going through a uh, definite downturn at that point. Yeah. As, as was video games. Yeah. So, so it was just bad for arcades. Just like last year, I believe, I think it was a plumber was working at someone's house and finds this game, the prototype, the original wide-body prototype Laser Lord game. Yep. And he eventually sells it to someone else, who I believe is in Michigan. And he, he is currently working on this game, trying to get it fully back up and working. And I noticed on there, he said there were some issues with the software. Wouldn't surprise me. It's a prototype. Yeah. So, Scott, you want to fix that? Any interest? Well, I'd have to give me the game to fix it. Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> so if you want the code fixed, send uh, send an email to slamtillpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll get you in touch with Scott. And then you can send the game to him, and I'm sure he can get the software working for you. What's wrong with the software? I mean, that, did he say what was wrong with it? Did he say, Zach? I don't There's think he said. Non-func- I don't think he was. Non-functional. He wasn't specific. I don't remember. He wasn't, it wasn't specific. We, we, we should give out the link to this blog. It is. Laserlord.blogspot.com. There you go. Laserlord.blogs. Laser with a Z. Z. L-A-Z-E-R. Spot. Testing an all-tech MPU board. Well, that's probably his first mistake. Well, there you go. Because, yeah, all-tech doesn't have Laserlord in it, does it? Well, it does. It, it, uses, it uses the one from um, IPDB, which is the one that he's using, which is the part of the story that makes no sense. Is yeah, that really weird? It's really weird, and this is the part that never made any sense to me. About maybe four years ago, the 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 laser lord that went to the AOMA, whatever it's called, show the Quicksilver clone. It came up yeah. on eBay. Someone bought it, and they dumped the ROMs, and that's what's on IPDB. When this guy got the actual, you know, the prototype wide body laser lord, he had the ROMs dumped matched the code. It was the same code that was on the other one, which is impossible because you know the, the, the wide-body one actually had the code. It's coded for multiball. And obviously the other one would just be a Quicksilver clone. So it makes no sense. That's the part of the story that never made any sense to me. Maybe maybe Quicksilver was intended to be multiball. Did they, did they ever verify that the stuff on the Quicksilvery Laser Lord was the same ROM that's on normal Quicksilvers? Uh, it's not. I don't believe it is. So, like, what Stern like to do, like, with Dracula slash Wildfire or Pinball slash uh, Stingray was they'd reuse the same ROM in a second game, even though the, the layout was pretty different. They'd, and they'd, like, leave switches out, put holes in parallel. Yeah. So maybe they yeah. wrote this multi-ball ROM for the original Widebody Laser Lord, and then they needed it for the Quicksilver E Laser Lord, and they wired it up and they just never put the lock holes in. So, and because of that, multiball will never start because there's no way to lock the balls. And so maybe the code that works on it is actually... Well, that, I, I could probably look at that and see if that's the case. That that would be pretty obvious. Uh, I see that Bill Futzenreuter did the software for Quicksilver as well. And he probably did Laser Lords. And it's a JoJo's, you know, game in both cases. So maybe he based it off of it. Maybe when he was designing the Laser Lord prototype, he said, I'm going to start... And I don't want to bother the software guys because they're probably busy like most software guys are. And uh, so I'm going to just go with the the same switches and things like that so that I can get something up and flipping. 
So, I mean, it could be modified from it. It says a few minor gameplay glitches. Yeah, uh, in in non in non software programmer uh, speak, that means that there's a shit ton of stuff that doesn't work. But like, there is apparently lots of that does work because they talk about like rules of the game, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they say there's a multi ball. You put the balls in the locks, and they stay there till you release them by uh, doing something. There's two release they, switches. One is a top lane. One is behind a four bank of targets. There are the top three lanes of the bonus multiplier, but after you complete the lanes, you then have to go over one of the lower lanes. You know, and the, there's weird stuff like that that makes me think again of like this layout is not what the code was designed for or something. The thing that concerns me is the last update for this is March. Yeah, that's. And I know this guy was working on his original plan was to get this thing ready for one of the Michigan shows. Uh huh. Then it was going to be there, so I don't know how that's going, or if they've had the Michigan shows yet. I'm trying to remember what they're called because there's like two of them, isn't there? Yeah. Well, there's the there's three if you count uh, the Ann Arbor. You got the Ann Arbor show. At yeah, Place. it wasn't that one. It was one of the other two. That's actually coming up in a week or so. Um, and then there's the Michigan Gaming Classic, and then there's Pinball at the Zoo. That's it. Okay, Pinball at the Zoo. and the, Yeah, it was one of those shows he was supposedly going to bring this to. I, I would be curious to see. I'm just looking at the pictures, and it's. Um, it, it would be curious to see if the scoring actually follows it. Like there's some kind of grid thing with the four banks. So I'm like, if that's the four bank from Quicksilver. Yeah, there's also there. It says that you have to shoot the laser lord targets in order. So one flashes and then it moves to the next, which definitely does not match anything in Quicksilver normally. No, yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah. Um. Uh, and it looks I like don't know. I the mean, Quicksilvery I, I just... laser lord. All the rules written on the play field yeah. match the Quicksilver rules. Do they? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So they, that one's just an art retheme. That's strange that it had the same software in it. If the rules, or maybe the the artist just followed the original game for the art, but then the rules mm-hmm. were something different. For all we know, we'd have to actually see video yeah. of the that one playing to confirm. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to see it as a classic Stern nut. I'd really love to play this thing. Mm-hmm. Is there like a complete shot? I don't see a complete shot of the playfield here. Okay. I mean, I, I have them. I have them saved somewhere, and I think they're on yeah, the, they're, they're, the they were out there. database. Yeah, they're Let's both say. on IP. Yep. Because this would have been the next game, so they were they were going for another wide body after after Viper after Orbiter that one. So well. Another wide body. They made probably some of the. Did they make like the most wide bodies? I feel like Gottlieb must have beaten them. On I don't that. think so. I don't think so. Uh, what about Williams with the Super I don't think so. Pin? Well, if you count no, their William, Super Williams Pin. Williams only made like five. Or if, you, if you count their 11 Super Pins. counting Super Pin? Yeah, if you count their Super Pins, they probably beat well, you them. Well, you, you have to count Super Pin because, I mean, the wide bodies that Stern made are only 24 inches wide. Yeah, and half that's the wide bodies are, are valleys, so. Yeah. I mean, Stern had, you got Big Game, Cheetah. Flight 2000. Valley 1, 2, 3, you know, 4, 5, 6. Hurry, hurry. Valley made six wide bodies. Uh, uh, free fall. In. You had um, Iron Maiden, Viper, Orbiter 1. Yeah, it's eight. They made eight. Laser Lord would have been the ninth wide body that Stern made. 
Gottlieb made 22. 22 wide bodies? Yeah. Circus, Caveman, oh. Combination. Or the, that, oh, that's, that's right. The, Force, yeah. Devil Stare, Force 2, Genie, Going Nuts, Haunted House, Krull, Mars Go to War, Panthera, Pink Panther, Punk. Punk's a wide body? Punk's a wide body? That. No. I don't think that's punk, what Punk's not a wide body. That doesn't sound Rocky, right. Roller Disco, Spirit, Star Race, The Amazing Spider-Man, Timeline, Volcano. Were they high? What were they doing? You really I have think, to ask that question? <laughs> of course I, they were high. Of course they were high, but I will argue that like Gottlieb's wide body dimensions are the best wide body dimensions. You know, they're which, not which wide, wide body? The super yeah, which wide, wide body? body or the, they have the no, super no, the, the wide, body. wide body? The more common wide body. Like, like Black like, Hole? It's about the same width as a super pin, maybe a bit wider. It's also a bit deeper, so you have more playfield room that yeah, way. It's longer. Yeah, it's longer. The interesting thing is the valleys aren't. They're wider, but the length is the same, which is interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I can understand why they do that, but, like, it's cool having that extra room to do stuff in. Like, I think, like, you, if you weren't Gottlieb and just high out of your mind constantly, like, you could do some pretty interesting designs with that amount of space. <laughs> well, Stern, Sterns are deeper also. Are they? Yes, they are. I just know because I got the playfield glass, so I know they, they are also. They are slightly uh, deeper. But because like, I put a, uh, I think the width is the same as black hole. But um, I tried to put the the glass from one into the other, and it was uh, too short. I, I, yeah, I think they are, they are slightly the the sterns are slightly deeper that way. Is a super pin wider than a Gottlieb or a stern wide body, or is it narrower or the same? Maybe that's the glass that I put in. I, I think it's the same. I think they're twenty four inches. There was a guy. There was a thing somewhere that the, all the glass dimensions on it. It's probably on. Uh, it's pretty wiki, I'm sure I the thing on the Saratoga show will tell you too. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was thinking of because he had them all. And then Bruce bought my uh, whatever. I think uh, Pinball Research used to list it too. They used to list the glass sizes. All right, I got them. WPC is twenty-three and three quarters wide. Gottlieb System eighty is twenty-four and five eighths wide. For comparison, and he doesn't list the stern during it. But so Gottlieb System 80 is slightly wi- wider than WPC. Oh, the glass is the same length on a on a Gottlieb almost, but okay. they must have. But the uh, WPCs are tilt slanted more in the cabinet, so you lose some of that. I really like to play a game that's like about one inch narrower than the super pin, but still wider than a wide than a narrow body. I think it'd be interesting. Mm, well. Yeah, de- design it, aren't you? Des- I thought you were designing your own game. Why didn't you make yeah, it that dimension? I, I, I'm constrained by existing lockdown bars. Make a new lockdown bar. I don't have the tooling to do that or to build the cabinet to put it on. I'm just going to come up with a new cabinet. lockdown bar design. I mean, like I a wood one, like, like the old wood rails. I would like to have it like the uh, old Bally's where the whole glass hinges up with the side rails and lockdown bar. I think that's very cool. But again, that's even more construction that I do not have the skills to do. Yeah. yeah. What we need is, can someone please um, send a perfectly legal licensed copy of SolidWorks and send it to Zach so he can design his game? Yeah, someone wants to just drop like the $8,000 yep. necessary. Hey, hey, you know, you never know, oh. Zach, unless you ask. You know what Stern Pinball uses? That's SolidWorks. It could be some of the most innovative designs coming out, but they're stuck on Zach's computer. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you have to. Uh, yeah, yeah, you have to. Um, 
Well, you know, if they're innovative designs, Zach, you should go to, you know, interview at Stern and maybe you can be the newest junior designer. Yeah, Stern, give me a call. I'm not sure it works that way. I think you might have to, you know, produce no, something first. I, I, I can work like Ted Zale. I'll just send you the designs if you give me the equipment and then you can produce them if you want them. Somehow I don't think uh, when, when Ted Zale was doing SolidWorks, he was like actually you know, putting shapes <laughs> on a plate. Ted Zale was field. doing SolidWorks. <laughs> Do you know the story of it's Ted a different, Zale? It was SolidWorks, you know, 001 Alpha, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, it's the physical version. It hasn't been computerized yet. Do, do, do you know the, the story for Ted Zale, though? What's the story for Ted Zale? Noted pinball designer. So supposedly, you know, Ted Zale, who was a Bally EM designer in the 60s, like around 69, he's like, oh, I'm, I want to retire. You know, I don't want to keep working on this. But Bally's like, hey, you're a pretty good designer. You know, we really want to keep designing games. So they got him like a mobile trailer and then filled it with all the workshop and tools and parts necessary to build a white wood and a whole bunch of, you know, wood and pop bumpers and everything and just mm-hmm. delivered it to his house in like Arkansas and so he would just go in there when he was bored and tinker and design new games and then just send the design to Bally and Bally would be like, oh, okay, hmm. And they make a few tweaks and if they liked it, they just put in production. So that's how like the later quarter yeah. of Ted Zale's games actually designed was just him on his own, just with a, a workshop, well, just sending the designs in. Yeah. So works have good. you built anything, have you built anything uh, up like on your own custom game or you're just, they're all in SolidWorks? No, I I made one whole custom game from scratch just by eye, you know, not mm-hmm. using CAD, and then I built half of this one that I designed in SolidWorks, and now I run into problems because I don't have SolidWorks. But uh, as a, uh, the impression I got from like Keith Ellen's hiring is that like oh a lot of people can build a game, you know, but mm-hmm. there's a lot more skill necessary to actually design it all digitally in a way that can be mass produced down the line. Well of course. So I, I would bet for getting hired at Stern that being able to show them a complete three D if you don't if you don't yeah if you don't have actually building it at all. At this point if you don't have SolidWorks experience there there there's gonna be like nah we're that's well, not Keith, gonna work for us. El- Elwin did not do use SolidWorks for his design, uh the original Archer. He said he But he's, he's uh, he learned it since then. He used a different CAD tool, and then when he went to Stern, he had to learn how to use their yeah. tool, which is apparently SolidWorks. So, but sadly, every single CAD tool is incredibly expensive. So it is. Know. Yeah. Start a GoFundMe for it. Oh yes, GoFundMe. A GoFundMe for Zach SolidWorks. Hey, why not? <laughs> Come on, just someone needs to send us a fully licensed copy. Make sure it's legal. We don't want anything. Nefarious oh, I'm, going I'm on sure here. you can download a full, uh, fully licensed copy that somebody else's, but you know it's probably embeds whoever's license key that is in all of your files. Uh, we we don't talk about such things here. That's true, Ron. You're you're probably the software police on your network, aren't you? Uh, yeah, we can't have illegal shit. You know, we're well, like, of course not. We're like a credit union, you know, financial stuff, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't work. And I used to work IT in a school, and it was the same thing. Even though schools are notorious hotbeds of uh, buying one copy and then putting it on, you know, five hundred thousand. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, anything else you guys want to talk about? Uh, we've been talking almost three hours at this point. It's almost time for me to actually uh, go to work. When we said we we're going to do the tech episode, man, I wasn't fooling around. I don't think we got nearly enough tech done this episode, to be honest. 
Yeah, I don't think so either. Like, we really glossed over a lot of stuff. We only have, like, half of an argument. Yeah, that's really... Remember, when you have, you know, you have three different people talking, you're going to get four different opinions on how to do something. Huh? Well, because one person will change their opinion when you get around to them again. Oh. I think that's called, like, using, you know, new ideas and evidence to, like, improve your concepts. If I remember correctly, like, that's how that works, theoretically. Okay. Doesn't happen in real life, though, as far as I can tell. All right, so this has been episode 108, Spider-Man Homecoming. We are the Slam Till Podcast again for the at least fifth time. Our, our email address is slamtillpodcast at gmail.com. You can check us out at our site, which I've been forgetting to mention lately, slamtillpodcast.com. Also check out our Twitch channel. Just search for slamtillpodcast.com on Twitch or slamtillpodcast and YouTube channel. I've uploaded the TNA stream I did, so you can see me get to Reactor, I think, 5. I think I was on Reactor 6. You can see me sweating playing a game of Total Nuclear Annihilation. I'd like to thank Zach and Scott once again for joining us. Or me, I guess. It was just me this week. No, no Bruce. Bruce was busy. He's fixing games. He's fixing games. And so will I. I will have to fix... i got a couple things i got to fix, but... Thanks, everybody. Um, say goodbye, Bruce. Oh, wait a minute. That doesn't work. What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I'm lost. Uh, goodbye, Ron. Uh, goodbye, Scott. Bye, Zach. Bye, Scott. No, that was mute me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. well, that's fine. <sighs> Your phone sucks. <sighs> Which one? <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I assume you don't have a cell phone either since you can't use Skype, so. No, I just don't uh, trust Skype. Trust it? Yeah. I don't put software on my computers and phones that I don't trust. I, I can I can teach you how to set up a virtual machine so you can sandbox have, uh, it and run it there. Several virtual, I have several virtual machines running already, thank you. And you still don't even trust it there. <laughs> nope. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh, shit. All right. It looks like a web app, right? Hmm? <laughs> wow, I feel I should be Maybe recording this. Maybe I'll buy this. a burner cell phone and I'll put it on that. No, the cell phone... <laughs> Still, unless you get a burner smartphone, which will then need a Google account to get into to install the app, so it's not really a burner anymore. 
Oh, those Google those Google accounts are hard to set up, aren't they? Oh, yeah, this really is going to be in the outtakes, isn't it? <laughs>